This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Coming to you from the Danger Cave here in Los Angeles. The Orbital Jigsaw Arena is back in Raleigh, North Carolina. But this week, this week I am here in the Danger Cave sitting right next to Sir Ian Dangerous. My name is Nick Howell. And as he mentioned, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And I'm actually renaming the Danger Cave to the Danger Zone because that way I can officially say, what is Nick Howell doing in the Danger Zone? (laughs) You could say that on my way over here, I was highway to the... I mean, technically, I do live next to the highway, so there is a highway to the Danger Zone. That is actually very appropriate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Busted Wide Open podcast. We're going to be talking about lots of the graps today because we had Raw and SmackDown this week. As always, NXT had a cage match that was fire, hot fire. We're getting ready to go to the G1 in New Japan, and we have lots of other things to talk about, including a massive amount of big news, Nick, that we're about to get into. But first things first. I have to ask you how you're doing before we even get to housekeeping. How are you doing? You so <sighs> listeners, uh, Nick. Nick came to my bar last night. Nick came to celebrate. Now that he's back in California for a hot second, he decided to have a little bit of mm, how should we put this, Nick? Some libations. Yep. Some libations at the bar. Um, I'm I'm known Let, as let's Sir be Ian real. Dangerous. I, I did not name myself Sir Ian Dangerous. Hellfire. I was nicknamed Sir Ian Dangerous because of what <laughs> happens to people. When they drink with me or at my bar, how are you feeling today, Nick? Not not a hundred percent is probably the best way to put it. Uh, no, I attempted suicide by hellfire. Yes, uh, last night. Uh, just so everybody knows, I actually lost count, and Ian had to remind me today just how many of them I had. Yeah, we do a, uh, we do a special drink called the Flaming Hellfire whew. at my bar that has that has claimed many a soul. Wait, would you tell everyone what that drink is? Please? Uh, it is. Well, I don't want to give away the secret recipe, oh, but it's, okay. it's, uh, it's a net proof of 126. It's on fire, and energy drink is involved. So, oh, boy. Suffice it to say, Nick had a few of those, as well as quite a bit of other things. And uh, So it's going to be a very interesting show today, Nick. <laughs> Not only are we, are we crammed into, into, uh, into my house here with my dogs, uh, but we, we also are both dealing with a bit of... Uh, we're, we're sweating out some booze right now. Yeah. So, uh, so with that being said, let's have a sip of some of this whiskey here. Yes, definitely. Have a little nip of the, little hair, the hair of the dog. Of the dog. 
Hair of the dog. All right. Mm-mm-mm. Getting back to the show, Nick, how would you like to do a little housekeeping? And we will get into the business. Yes. Uh, as always, guys, you can come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It is the hub of op- our operation and where we hang out all the time with all of our fans and listeners. De- definitely head over to Facebook.com, search for Busted Wide Open, give us a like on the page, and join. send us a join request to get into the group. You will not be disappointed. It is a lot of fun. You can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. YouTube, where we're normally live on Thursdays, but since I'm here in the danger zone this week, uh, we will not be live on YouTube today, but we will be back next week recording live uh, on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Be yeah, sure once to you, Once you get back to the uh, Starship Howl there yeah. at your place in the, <laughs> next to the Naya Shrine. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, Naya did make the journey with me this what? week as well. You just have to believe that she is here. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I, oh, that's but, terrible. But I, I promise. You didn't bring little Naya I, with I, you? I've she, got you little Naya just for, for travel purposes. I, 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 she's in the hotel room. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She did make it. You know, she did make the journey with us, but I... You had one job, Howell. I had one job, and I one failed. Job. I failed miserably. So be sure and subscribe to us on YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And make sure you hit that that notification bell also so that you get notified anytime we go live or upload new content, such as some of the stuff we have coming soon. I promise you want to be subscribed there. Last but certainly not least, head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to show your support. Uh, get access to show notes, the ability to last, ask listener questions on every single episode every week, and uh, sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, we've got to get started. There's a lot of show to get to, but first, we have some very large topics that we need to discuss over in the big news. Yes, sir. So this is this is big news indeed. And this is breaking within the last 24 hours. It appears that just hired, just now hired as executive directors, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff what? are back working for WWE. Not just back working for WWE. They are at the top of the pyramid, as they say. They are both there. So Heyman has been hired to be the executive director of Raw. And Bischoff is going to be the executive director of SmackDown. That means they will be in charge of everything to do with creative, answering only to Vince McMahon. Now, of course, that means Vince will still be the top guy. Everything's going to have to go through him. But basically, they're going to be the new top of the pyramid on each of their respective shows. And then they'll pass everything by Vince. So, Um, yeah. Query, if I may. Mm -hmm. Didn't they both get fired because of some stuff like this and like multiple how- times but at the same time i think that there was never any question as to their creative acumen just they didn't like where they were going at the time Heyman did oversee what is arguably considered one of the greatest creative periods in smackdown live history sure. he just started butting heads with stephanie mcmahon and bischoff actually was was involved with the show for i mean a good five or six years so the real question i think that people have is that both of these guys, while they have huge upsides, you know, Paul Heyman is considered one of the greatest wrestling booking minds of all time. There are significant downsides to both guys as well. And I sure. think that's why, you know, Vince is still keeping a, the reins on them is that you, he's, he's looking at this and saying, okay, they have things I want out of them. I need 
I, he needs a new creative direction. He knows he does, and this is, I think, a big sign that they, they do look at AEW and its other companies as a possible threat. They are trying to get their ratings back up. They're trying to do things to their show to make it more... Uh, it's not in danger going to Fox of not uh, finding its footing. Right. And I think that's also why Bischoff is working on Tuesday. It's been speculated not only by Wrestling Observer, but PW Insider, uh, a few other websites, that the reason Bischoff is specifically on Tuesdays is because he has much, much more of a history of being able to deal with TV executives. And that's going to be much more of that job description on Tuesday is dealing with the TV executives at Fox. So that's going to be much more of his wheelhouse, which means that Paul Heyman's going to be much more doing the creative stuff on Mondays. So I'm mm. actually really looking forward to because Heyman's already been involved with a lot of specifically wrestler directions over the last six to eight months. Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss. He's been doing st- and Brock Lesnar, of course. He's been doing stuff behind the scenes. It'll be interesting to see once he's given the helm of the ship, or at least nominally so, what he does uh, to 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 drive the ship into different directions, creative directions, whether we see more long-term booking, we get better payoffs, there's more wrestling-centric. Raw has been feeling a bit different for the last couple of weeks. Now, we don't believe he's been in control for the last couple of weeks, but they may have been testing the waters with some of his ideas. Yeah. Not sure. I do know that there's a lot of creative stuff they're doing right now with storytelling that I'm liking a lot better. So I wonder how much of a finger he's had in the pie so far. Uh, pardon the really uncomfortable metaphor. <laughs> But the question I have here is we've been seeing both brands going less and less uh, into a brand split and more and more just being completely unsplit. They've they've almost forgotten the wild card card rule already. It's almost like a a soft dissolution of the brand split. So I'm wondering if they truly do unsplit the brands, if that's going to uh, be more confusing when you have two very different wrestling minds running each show as far as the storytelling goes, or if we're going to have creative meetings where they all get on the same page and then handle the stories differently on both shows, or if we have a hard brand split coming again further down the road, which I doubt given the fact they're, they're wasting this much time trying to unsplit the brands. Yeah. No, so, I, I made the comment last week that uh, this was sort of like a Venn diagram of circles overlapping, and you know I agree with you. The wild card thing that they made such a big deal out of for about two, maybe three, even three weeks is so is is gone now. It's a foregone conclusion that they have just they don't even mention the wild card thing in effect anymore. I think the commentary does every now and then, but that's about it. Um, so I, I I I don't know, man. Are they just combining? I said last week that I like where this is starting to go. I like the feel of this where it doesn't have to be under the stipulation of a wild card, but the the fact that the storylines can overlap shows and go back and forth between the two, I'm kind of not mad at. Well, I'm not as upset about it as I thought I might be eventually. Well, the, the upside is, is that the storylines remain more consistent. The downside is, is that there's a lot of superstars that don't get airtime. And sure. we start getting redundant stories like the Shane storyline where we just see too much of one thing. And when you have so many people there and guys like Paul Heyman who are good at juggling multiple superstars at once, why not give more people more opportunities to make you more money? Sure. Which is the question I always come back to whenever I see a, a WWE decision that I question. I say, why would you do this if this doesn't make you money? They make decisions that make them money, and I go at the end of the day, I shrug and go, okay, they're making money on this. I understand why they did it. When a decision loses them money, I always go, what are you thinking? Yeah. If your bottom line is to make money, why are you doing this? This is a move here 
that I see making the money. Bringing in Heyman, bringing in Bischoff, I think this is a very smart business decision uh, on both cases. I, I'm still wondering about a lot of the details here, but already we're seeing the hand of Bruce Pritchard in a lot of the creative decisions on the shows, and it's, it's the right decision. Yeah. Having all three of those guys back together is pretty awesome. I think that's, that's actually going to do a, a lot of good for the freshness of the product. I only hope that they don't go full Attitude Era and bring back Vince Russo into the mix or Jim Cornette because I think that what, you know Cornette might be fun, but you know that he's also kind of on the outs right now in terms of public perception. Yeah, and Russo is Russo. Enough, enough said there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Cornette's whole thing with Sonny Kiss that's going on right now is, yeah. is a bad look all around, and exactly. I don't know that WWE would come anywhere near that. But I've been but wrong he, about but, that before. But there's no questioning his wrestling acumen, just True. like with the, with True. these two guys as well. So, uh, well, I suppose I was questioning it, but at the same time, I think that a fresh look and the ability these guys, the abilities that these guys will bring to the table uh, is something that WWE could desperately use right now, considering the rut they're finding themselves in yeah. with a lot of creative decisions. Yep. So that's not the only big news, though. There's, there's a lot going on this week. Uh, we also found out that Vince McMahon has decided that he wants a new format to his show, uh, perhaps because of pressure from Fox, perhaps just he woke up one morning with a wild hair up his butt. He has decided that he does not want matches to continue during commercial breaks. He wants them to stop and restart on either side of a commercial break. And that's why this week you saw a lot more two out of three falls matches, oh. elimination matches, matches where there was a built-in time to stop, go to commercial, and restart. Uh, obviously, this wasn't universal across all commercials, but for the most part, that was the case. Now, Nick, I want to get your opinion on this because this this is a double-edged sword. On the one side, I think it's smart not to have matches go through commercials. It's something that I saw in WCW back in the 90s, and, and WWE didn't do it, but eventually they did. I've always felt it's a horrible way to deal with the matches both in and out of kayfabe. In kayfabe, it's hard to believe, like, you never see in UFC they cut away in the middle of a match to a commercial when that match could end at any second. It, it kills the suspension of disbelief because, you know, why would you cut away when a match can end at any second unless you know the match isn't going to end? Right. Uh, it kills the flow of the match to cut away in the middle of the match. So in that sense, I like this creatively. But on the flip side, you're now having to jump through hoops to create matches and match stipulations that fit this format, and it's going to be just so much work week in, week out. Do you think this is something that's going to work long-term, or is this just a crazy Vince McMahon idea that's going to go away within the next couple months? Uh, if it lasts that long, I'll be surprised. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where, okay, it's an interesting idea. Look, we got to credit Vince for being a little bit innovative sometimes. You know, We have Skycam because of Vince in the XFL. We have a lot of things that have transcended into other sporting uh, uh, sports, because of Vince, and if he's trying something here, I'm not. I'm not a. I always say fail fast. It's one of my little phrases that I use in leadership that I that I try to teach and, and pass on. So yeah, try stuff, fail fast, break glass, you know, all that stuff. Do it. Is it necessary? Am I going to like it as a fan? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. That is. This is not the way to do this. I, I, I like the. It's probably got good intentions. Because it, if you think about it, he's trying to service fans, and we've been complaining about cutting away from good matches and good content to go to a Snickers commercial in the middle of you know Andrade sure. and Finn Balor, which oh god, I don't want to see a Snickers commercial right now. So I, I like the intention, I just don't see it 
paying off. Well, and the other problem is, is that, you know, while it may be something where the, the home audience who's watching on TV doesn't lose the pace of the match, the people who are there live absolutely are just going to be, they'll be sitting there doing a commercial while they, quote, reset the match. And they're, yeah, I mean, right. as opposed to like having at least the tension of a rest hold, now there's nothing. So and is there is there going to be the guy like in college football that wears the red hat that steps out onto the field when they're in a TV timeout? Maybe. Jesus I mean, Christ. And that's, and that's already, I think, really hurting a lot of like NFL games and, and basketball, NBA games, when you have those obvious commercial breaks. You know, those are actually like sporting games. These are stories. Right. If you kill the, the momentum of a story, then that's really going to hurt the product. And live audiences were already tuning out as it was because the presentation live has so many video vignettes and commercials as it is so this is yeah i i think this is this might be something that we see go away very soon when they realize that it doesn't doesn't, it's not going to work yeah i didn't enjoy that at all this week no Um, that said i do watch hulu editions uh and i do pay for the 12 dollar a month no commercial version so it was it's always an instant back and forth anyway uh i just so i mean did the ref like re-ring the bell and we restarted everything that's what i thought they reset restart and ring the bell oh yeah and and also let's let's call a spade a spade two out of three falls matches are good every once in a while but they're garbage to have all the time two of them or three of them this week we had quite a few yeah yeah and it and they always you know promoted them like hey how about we do a two out of three falls match what a wacky idea this week but i guarantee you do this for a couple weeks people are gonna be like oh god we're, uh, all right, he won the first one. That means the other one's winning the second one. And uh, yeah, the, the, don't bury gonna, a two out of three fall stipulation. It's one of the better ones, and it's you know it's served us well over the years for to put on elimination some matches, really Survivor great series. elimination kind of matches. That, yeah, yeah, that could be a great st- stipulation as well when done every so often. Yeah, this is not what it's for. No, <laughs> no. So hey, uh, one last thing we got to talk about before yes. we get into the shows. Uh, this has been the talk of the week. Uh, throughout the twit, the our twit group, of the week. throughout Twitter, throughout... I, I think there's some sports pages that are picking it up. Or Illustrated picked it up. Yep, Seth Rollins uh, got into a twit piss with uh, Will Ospreay everybody. and basically everybody. With everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it started... I mean, we mentioned it on our Stomping Grounds recap show. We, right. we, we dedicated a, a couple minutes at the end of the show to it because it was very relevant specifically to that pay-per-view. But we... It has been ongoing since then. We actually... I, I said it then. I, I'm going to say it again. We have to do a whole bonus episode for our patrons just on this because there's just so much to unpack, Nick. We, could, yep. we can't do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a beginning segment here. No. The only thing I want to touch on really quickly is that not only is it going on and just, you know, honestly, go on Twitter and just check it all out. There's so much of it. There, we're, on, we're up to like hundreds of tweets now in this whole thread between him and Osprey. Baron Corbin got involved before getting burned down by Osprey. At this point, journalists are getting involved, other wrestlers. It's a madhouse. Osprey already has shirts out making fun of this whole thing. All right. That's how, that's how crazy this has gotten. Yeah. Um, but one thing I want to point out just right now, and then we'll do a separate whole show on it, because I think that there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Not only th- what Seth is saying, why he's saying it, who may be really saying it, by the way, if it's not like, as you speculated, if it's Seth, is it the, if it's their PR group, if it's Vince himself speaking through Seth or, or what it is. But I also think there's something that's to be said about the relationship between wrestlers and the fans. And we talked about that a little bit on the last show, too. Yeah. But that's all something for another show. I want to mention really quickly, you know, we said that uh, it was mentioned in Sports Illustrated. Well, Rollins gave 
a, a, a interview on the Sports Illustrated Media podcast with Jimmy Traina, and he actually talked about John Moxley. Oh, no. And he said he can do what he wants, quote, he can do what he wants, he's a big boy, he's got his big boy pants on, he can go out there and say whatever he wants, but the bottom line is not everyone is equipped to handle the rigors of the WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. He gave everything he had to the company for the entire time he was here, he put his heart and soul into the travel and the schedule and the injuries and the work in the ring and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, he took his ball and he went home, or he went elsewhere at least. And he said, he said a lot more too, but that's the meat. Eesh. And, you know, while he did say that he, he loves Ambrose, one of his favorite guys on the planet, uh, that right there was something that jumped out to me personally because you know who says he took his ball and he went home? Vincent Kennedy McMahon. If you remember yep. when Steve Austin left in 2002, literally is, that's the exact phrase that he used. So I tried I am, to tell you guys last week. Yeah, I don't think it's Seth. The stink of McMahon is all over, and whether or not it's coming out of <laughs> Seth's mouth or out of his fingers, the the Kool Aid definitely seems to have been swallowed here. And I'm all for a guy defending the company he's working for, the place he works for, and if he's truly passionate about it, man, more power to him. To be honest with you, like I'm yeah. fully behind Seth on that part. But when he starts getting petulant and saying I make more money than you to Osprey, when he starts saying that Ambrose took his ball and he went home. After listening to how Moxley was talking about all of this in those podcasts, that's not what he was saying at all. No, <laughs> no, no. So, um, and, and those frankly, are the I don't see Seth Bur- having a negative thing to say about Ambrose in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I that just reeks of, of copy coming from Vince and yeah. being you know put out there. So, I think I agree with you. If this is Seth, I'm all for it, and I love the fire and the passion for your job. Uh, I think that is a very, very honorable thing. Uh, short of the petulant stuff, as you mentioned, I, what I'm saying is that I literally don't think it's Seth on his keyboard, on his phone, sending out these tweets. Maybe some of them, but not all of them. There's Vince is in some PR person's ear that has control over social media accounts, or access to them at least, and is type doing a lot of this stuff much like they're writing creative. And I think they do this with an army of social media people that can set up this stuff and transcend storyline onto social media outside of the ring and out off of TV. I think it's part of the whole thing. So I have, I have a couple people I can ask that I, that I will go find out for sure. But yeah, I can't wait to do that bonus episode. I hope to yeah. have more information by the time uh, we get around to recording. Well, that so it, I, can I think share. we'll have a little bit more of a bow wrapped up on top of it, so we'll, we'll be able to unpack yeah. the whole thing. Yep. But one thing I want to point out just before we move on here is that you know back in 2002 when the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin thing happened, uh, something that Meltzer pointed out that I thought was brilliant was when that happened and Vince used that terminology on TV, The Rock came out and buried Stone Cold in a promo. You know who else buried Stone Cold? Jim Ross. Yep. Because those are the people that, that McMahon went to to bury Stone Cold on TV. He went to the most popular guy in the company and the most popular announcer in the company. Yep. That's who he goes to. So this, is, this plays right into the playbook. So dun, not, dun, dun. But yes, something we will unpack another time, but something we wanted to mention in our big news segment. But that being said, Nick, we got no more time to waste. There's plenty more to talk about. Let's go and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, this week, uh, Shane and Drew McIntyre got Roman Reigns in a two-on-one handicap match. And 
after sufficiently beating him down. Roman held on there in there as long as he could. <laughs> but of course it led to, you know, Stair uh, shots Drew holding Roman Claymore's in the corner as Shane sets up for a, a coast to coast. But he didn't hit the coast to coast. No, he did not hit that coast to coast. Because we got a bong. bong. A wild taker appears. A wild taker appears. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker uh, out of uh, freaking nowhere. What? Uh, oh, what? Wait, what? Undertaker showing up for. I mean, Nick, can you think of a reason why Undertaker would show up here to assist Roman Reigns against Shane and Drew McIntyre? No, actually, I can think of plenty of the opposite um, <laughs> of why he would should not should should not show up uh, because. Apparently, the lore of WWE is that the Roman lore. Reigns retired Undertaker the, at WrestleMania. The lore. <laughs> I, so. I, I think that the current storyline is that they're trying to sell is that, you know, Roman earned Taker's respect in that match. It's both of their yard. Shane used the this is my yard words, and that brought Taker out of wherever Can we just stop calling this lives. shit people's yards? I mean, uh, I'm just so over that. Hashtag wrestling. Uh, no, dude, I'm I'm with you. I'm not sure why Taker came back here. I mean, obviously, I am sure. I know exactly why he came back here because the ticket sales for Stomping Grounds were garbage, and they need to goose the ratings and they need to goose the sales for the next event because they're scared staring down the Fox deal. So, uh, yeah, obviously, we know that's what's happening here. But at the same time, uh, I mean, first of all, Taker. He's Taker. He's got the presence still, but he gave Shane a choke slam that looked like garbage. He, you know, he just let him both. go. He didn't slam him. Uh, he just kind of picked him up and dropped him. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. Taker. Uh, I think it's officially that point now where I do not want to see Undertaker, and that yeah. hurts me to my core to say because Taker is the man, but yeah. he needs to stop after Super Shit Showdown. Dude, after, it's I, been a I, while. I, I can't believe. What are we, two weeks removed from that at this point? I would point? argue even the Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania was hot garbage. Yeah. And that was the last time I wanted to see him. The, that was the perfect exit the, with the gloves and the hat and the ring. That was it. We were done. We were done. I was cool with letting him walk away then. But everything since then has... To say that it tarnished his legacy, I think, is hyperbole because you really can't tarnish one of the greatest legacies in wrestling. Uh, even, you know, even Ric Flair wrestled in TNA after, that, after the I'm Sorry, I Love You match with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So, you know, this is not like it's like, you know, five years down the road, if, if Taker wrestles two or three more matches and five years down the road, we'll, we won't have any. We'll be, ah, it sucked. He wrestled a few more matches, but whatever. Still Taker. We'll be fine. But now that we're in the middle of it right now, I don't. I know it's a tag match, so they'll be able to hide a lot of Taker's weaknesses. But having Roman and Taker versus Shane and Drew at Extreme Rules, which is the max match that has been booked now, does not excite me in any way, Nick. No. And I know there's some people that will be excited because there are some people who are always happy to see Taker. It doesn't matter. And you know what? I'm happy for them. I yep. wish I was living in that world. I'm living in a world where I see an old, broken-down Undertaker who... Like his hairline looks like crap. Actually, his looks like a dead look man. like crap. He right, he looks like a dead man. Yes, <laughs> he looks like he has risen from the grave. He, he looks like he still kicked my ass. Let's be clear. He, he hasn't still kick quite our asses, gotten but. to Jesse Ventura crypt keeper status, but he's not far off. Mm. So I, uh, oh god, it, just like you, it hurts me to say this, but I, you know, I'll go back even further. 
I was ready to be done seeing Undertaker in the ring when he put his hat and gloves down after yeah. break the streak got broken by Brock Lesnar. I mean, who benefits two from years this? before Roman? Who benefits from this? Other than perhaps the ticket sales for the company, uh, Roman's him? not going to. I guess he's got financial troubles and he needs I, the money. Taker doesn't need the damn money. Well, what what in the hell is going on? I mean, it's you I, know, I suspect it's just you know the, having the hard time walking the way. But Roman's already got the rub, and Drew and Shane getting beaten by Taker doesn't do either of them any good. Quite nope. the opposite. So I uh, yeah, is, is it to put Drew and Shane over by taking down the Undertaker? I don't Roman see Reigns? that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I, I don't. I've said that several times, and they've proven me wrong. Look how much <laughs> they're pushing true. Shane. Shane squeaks out a win all the time on you. And, and is, is you know is this the rub maybe that Drew McIntyre needed to really elevate him above goon status? Mm. I don't know. That's the only positive outcome I could see coming out of this. But you know, I mean, what? You if have you a end point. up if you end up with another Shane and Drew victory over the Undertaker and Roman Reigns. If you give Drew a pin on the Undertaker, that would actually be huge for him. Yes, I and, and I, I would be on board with that. Frankly, you know? I could be too. I, I just it's a that's a very distant possibility. Yeah, but I would be down with that. Yeah. Hey, Nick, did you know that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are a real life couple? Yeah. Did you know um, Becky Lynch has a boyfriend in the no. WWE? What? It, it's Seth Rollins. Oh, She's it, he's it, he it is? he's the man's man. Uh, oh, she, he's the man. I get it because she's the man and he's the. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good that's so uh, shut up uh, so raw kicked off this week with seth rollins in the ring celebrating his title victory over baron corbin and uh by extension lacey evans in her role as referee on yep. sunday he got interrupted by his real life girlfriend becky lynch you know when you say real life girlfriend you do realize of course that utterly breaks kayfabe right yep. michael cole yep when you say so so wait what this isn't real life but they are also boyfriend and girlfriend in real life what are you saying yeah think about the words that are coming out of your mouth cole God. <sighs> and um, you know vince is in his ear going yeah say say she's his boy his girlfriend again together they're doing it they're, yeah they're uh, uh, <laughs> make him kiss he's he, he burned her down <laughs> last night <laughs> Put, push their heads That's together so they came out and of course as you would expect, they got jumped by both Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. There was a scuffle. There was some smack talk. And at the end of it, we ended up with a mixed gender tag match set for Extreme Rules with a couple of stipulations. Uh, at one point, Seth got flustered and said, whatever stipulations you want, I'll take it. And Baron said, cool, winner take all. That means that both Becky's title and Seth's titles are on the line. If Baron and Lacey win, oh. they are the new champions. Does that stipulation help make this match more exciting after just this feud has been rolling on for so long with both of these people? Like, you know, I actually kind of want to like this. Okay, I'm I'm not. Where I get concerned about this is that you get into the mixed match rules and somebody's going to screw somebody over because that Lacey's can do stuff to Seth, but Seth can't touch Lacey, and yeah, I just if you just let them fight. Like we had with Ronda in Triple H. Ronda beaten down on Triple H. Like We all got behind that. We all liked it, and everybody said it was one of the greatest moments of that WrestleMania. Yeah, but, but Triple H could not have fought back against her. Exactly. So if you're telling me that Seth Rollins is going to put his title on the line because Lacey Evans got a something in sneaky over Becky Lynch so he could lose his Universal Championship because Lacey pins Becky? 
No, I'm sorry. I, I'm not on board with that. I don't think that's cool at all. <laughs> Do I see that happening? No, though? you're not getting Hell worked no, at all, there, are you, Nick? What's that? Not getting worked at all, are you there? No, a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. But yeah, anything okay. happening. <laughs> you're, you're not going to change the titles here. Yeah. Well, they've only got two weeks to build to this pay-per-view, so it made sense that they, they put this together so quickly. Yeah. Honestly, as just like a quick one-off, let's end this kind of thing. All right, this is a good well, blow Well, it's off. good to carry it forward, too, off of, the, you know, we enjoyed the ending of Stomping Grounds so much because of all of this interaction. Yeah. Um, it, it's good to, you know, continue it. It was a, it was a crowd pleaser, so let's see what happens. It, it, it was a crowd pleaser. This moment was also a crowd pleaser. Again, I, I don't think this match is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Uh, there could be some entertainment that comes out of it. And like I said, I think it's a good way to blow off this feud. So if that's the case, we don't have to sit on it too long. It's only two weeks. It'll be fine. And you've got some of the best you know, workers in the company with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch involved in this. So yeah, I'm, I rolled my eyes, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, fine, fine. That's literally how I feel about it. Fine. Okay. It could it really could be way worse. I will point out this, though. There was a, a story that came out this week, Nick, that says that one of the reasons why Vince pushes Baron Corbin so hard is because of his, quote, devastating good looks. I believe that. That is, a, that is not kayfabe news. That is an actual story <laughs> that came out this week. Uh, and I, I believe he's getting was- pushed because he's good looking. Baron Corbin. Oh. <laughs> Well, you know, now he is quite charming, charmingly handsome now that he's cut the the venom off of his head. The, oh, the, cut, the yes. space goo, whatever the, that was. The stringy, ripped apart garbage bag off of his head. Right, right. Yes. So, I, you know what? It, it, it makes him look like more of a schmarmy corporate heel dick than, you know, anything, you know, alongside the vest. Oh, no, man. He's the guy that cut me off at TGI Fridays when I was 21. That's, oh, who, that's who he is now. That's what he see? looks like. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Go back to making your Long Island iced teas, Baron Corbin. Yes. Uh, so in, in, the, in some more good moments of Raw this week, AJ Styles. Mm. Mm. So we know that he's trying to get the club back together, or rather that they're trying to find ways in storyline to get the club back together. Uh, and that's right now happening by AJ trying to motivate the good brothers, Gallows and Anderson, to get them back on track. Of course, they've either not been on TV or just been losing matches. Yeah. And that's becoming part of the storyline. He's finding them dancing with the with No Way Jose's conga line. He's saying that you're losing matches right and left. Like, get your heads back in the game. And they're saying, our heads are in the game, dude. And then they go out and get squashed by the Viking Raider experience war machine. And AJ's <laughs> like, see, your head isn't in the game. Yeah. And uh, when AJ had a match with Ricochet this night, for the, uh, it was a non-title match. But he still had a match with Ricochet. They came out to ringside and said, hey, man, you need our help? And he said, no, I don't need your help. Watch how it's done. And sure enough, AJ went on and beat Ricochet in quite a nice match, a match where neither guy went above 10% of their potential. Sure. But still a nice, a nice match. AJ won and then put over Ricochet, said, hey, this guy's the man. Uh, so AJ might be, might be having a U.S. title match in his future, which would be cool. I could see him yep. and Ricochet having a great feud because they definitely whet our appetite here. Those the, two guys turned loose in a 25 to 30 minute match is oh, kind of a stop. wet dream. Just turned loose at all. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I want to see that. I yes. want this to be a, a story. Yeah. I I'm was very I was, excited about this. I, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping for more out of this match, but I liked the tease that I got. Yep. I was fine with it. Hopefully it just doesn't descend into dick punches. Oh, don't even say it. Don't even say it. Don't take that back. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> AJ Styles and Dickashay. I don't Dickashay. even want it. I don't even want it. I don't want it. <laughs> So, but the big story here is not AJ Styles possibly going for the U.S. title. It's that we may be seeing the reformation of the club, possibly for the Japan tour, or possibly we're looking at a longer-term storyline where someone like maybe, say, new executive director Paul Heyman is like, 
why have we never used this storyline? Why have we never used AJ in the club? Right. Uh, the other thing I could possibly see coming out of this is AJ turning heel on Ricochet and joining up the, the club heel faction. And then Ricochet and AJ going on a, a long feud where AJ turns heel on him. Ricochet has to kind of fight this former mentor of his. So hmm. a lot of nice stuff I could see here. Yeah. Did you like how all this was going? Like, do you like the direction this is going? This is all intriguing to you. It feels like more longer term storytelling. Or are you still annoyed they're putting the club back together? Kind of possibly as a one off for the Japan tour. All of that. Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, it, thank you for answering the question for uh, me or making it so rhetorical that I didn't really have to say much. <laughs> yes, it was. That's exactly uh, what I'm, I'm concerned about both of those things. And I'm enjoying uh, uh, both of those things in, in some respects. Yes, I do hope that this is long storm tori- storytelling. I've been saying that AJ, you know, we ha- we've had AJ, Healy AJ and the Good Brothers together with the whole beat up John Cena thing a couple years ago. That was good. That was pretty good. But again, it lasted, what, two months? Maybe three? A little more it, than that. It, it, it came and that. went, it was, and, and it was, nobody cared because yeah. AJ turned into the house that, that AJ Styles built. Yeah. It was kind of a vestigial thing for a while after that, where they would just bring it up randomly. A, a, a Healy faction of a, a remake of the club, I could absolutely see as being a good thing. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, we say that there's too many heels and not enough good faces. AJ is one of those good faces, mm-hmm. but damn, he's good as a heel too. But you know what? So is Ricochet. Ricochet is yeah. a great face, too. And yeah. now they're building him up as like this kind of bashful, typical white meat baby face, like, you know, kind of what Finn Balor was before they, they Finn Balor kind of gained a little bit more of a presence yep. in modern WWE, like what they were trying to go with him, like the relentless smiling. It feels more natural with Ricochet. He does feel like he has more of a kind of a natural baby face smile to him. So he's definitely fitting into that white meat baby face mold. If that's what Vince has to see in him to push him, good. I don't care. Like, strap the rockets to that boy. The, the only way this gets better is uh, uh, Finn walks out in a purple jacket with some Joker paint on, and we get Prince Devitt teaming back up oh, with it's never AJ gonna happen, and the Good Stop. Brothers. I can dream. Let me have. Let me enjoy my dream. Yeah, keep dreaming. <laughs> Just like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens dream that they can beat Ke- uh, Kofi Kingston, which they couldn't. They couldn't this week on the show. <sighs> like we were mentioning, we had some two out of three falls matches, but we also had some other ways to have long-term matches. Kofi had a match with Sami Zayn. He beat him pretty handily. And then Kevin Owens said, you know what? You're such a big shot. You're such a champ. Why don't you beat me right now? And Kofi said, all right, I will. And he came down and he beat Kevin Owens, which is, by the way, that's great booking of Kofi. That makes him seem like an absolute monster of a champ. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Beating both these guys back to back. Doesn't do much for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but they'll survive. They'll be fine. Just, is it, so is this a little night. bit too much like what we had to get for him to get the opportunity? He had to beat guy after guy, but I like the way they told it this worked. differently. It worked. It, it worked. They told it, but they told this differently where it was he had to survive that. He accepted the challenge and took them on yeah. one after the other, and I agree with you. It made him look so much stronger as a champion. I'm glad he stayed the champion for, what, two months now post-Mania? So let's let's see where this continues to go because I, I'm I'm sitting there watching the new day and Biggie and Xavier are off having their tag matches and then Kofi is having these matches on his own. Yeah, I'm wondering where this goes. Oh, I love the fact that this, we have the dynamic now where New Day can be all over the show in yeah. different types of matches, all over both shows. They were all over both shows, and it's it's great because New Day is I think one of the greatest modern factions, inarguably. Yeah. Um, and this just, I think, expands the repertoire, so yep. that's great. The other great thing I liked about this was after beating Kevin Owens, and he's heading to the back, pretty beat up from two matches, a wild Samoan appears. Not one of those wild Samoans. The other one, Samoa Joe, comes out of nowhere, levels Kofi Kingston, 
And it looks like we're getting a Samoa Joe versus Kofi Kingston feud. They have a match <laughs> set up Extreme Rules. Uh, so it's do you like funny. the fact that Joe, like Joe's just not in the U.S. title picture anymore? He's going straight to Kofi Kingston? Like, oh, is this, oh, yeah. This and, is good this stuff, is, right? I think that they've gotten back to, let's let's put the U.S. title on one of those little, you know, sort of, cru- I don't want to say cruiserweights, but the little faster-paced, flippier guys. Like, AJ was great with it for a yep. long time. Now we've got Ricochet with it in a feud with, a, a, with AJ for the U.S. title. Fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. And yes, I think this is the reason they took it off of Joe because you need it for that kind of exciting stamina type matches with those guys. But yes, Joe is long overdue yeah. for a big championship reign. If you ask any WWE well, fan, don't I, get ahead listen. of yourself. Championship reign, he hasn't won it yet, and I don't know if he will. I think it's a good way to make Kofi look strong is have him face Joe. I, I think Joe is just here to get Kofi looking stronger. Well, we also have to find a heel to take it so that Roman can win it back to take it on to Fox in a couple of months. <laughs> Well, that might be that may be the case too. All <laughs> I know is I, theory, at least. I, I like a little bit of fresh blood here. It's been yeah. too much Kevin Owens and Sammy and Dolph for for a little while. Samoa Joe should have been at the top of the card the entire time. He he he's a main eventer. This time last summer, we were having those fatal five ways with him and Braun Strowman, and he you know I, I he just, made a, a match with Brock Lesnar at a pay per view called Great Balls of Fire a must watch. Yes. Even though it ended like crap, the entire feud building up to it was solid freaking gold. Yep. He turned crap into gold in the feud with AJ when he was told to read a goddamn children's storybook. Amazing. Joe is absolutely money. And him and Kofi, I'm, I'm all in. Done. Sold. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, we also, speaking of the New Day, we had them involved in a four-team tag team elimination match. It was the New Day and the Usos. Versus the Planet's Champs, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, and the Revival. Uh, this was another way to have a commercial break in the middle of the match. Right. We had the uh, the New Day get eliminated first, and then uh, the Planet's Champs got eliminated, and we ended up with the Usos versus the Revival. The mm. Usos did go on to win this match, and uh, it looks like it's setting itself up for a, um, a title match between the Usos and the Revival. Can I just uh, say, very happy with the tag team division on both shows this week. And we'll talk about what happened on SmackDown here in a bit. But uh, you, you didn't think it was a bit of a cluster? Having no. So much out uh, here? Look at all the tag teams that just manifested themselves onto TV this week. It was great. Well, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it was almost the same match on SmackDown, just with a couple of substitutions sure. as far as tag teams. like two, sure. two, two different tag teams. But uh, yeah, no, we have six very strong tag teams right now. The fact that they have... Kind of dissolve the brand split a little bit means that instead of having a fairly thin division on both shows with like four or five tag teams, now we have six very strong tag teams that can kind of bounce back and forth. Plus, right. there's a few really good ones in the wings that aren't being used. They could pull up at any time. Cough, cough, AOP, cough, cough. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this was a fun match. I, I think some of it moved too quickly. The other problem with having... They're busy flirting with the Iconics uh, in the hallway backstage. Can you blame them? No, but the, no, not at all. The question that I have here is, Is this? does this make these teams look bad? Or just in general, actually, across everything, when you have these kinds of elimination matches, people tend to go out much quicker. Pins happen faster. And when we've been led so long to, to see that like, people can kick out of anything, Daniel Bryan went out to here to a, a European uppercut, for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, that's a little weird. But, I mean, it's, just, it's something that we should be 
concerned about or be thinking about, or is it just kind of like, eh, it's the new format, go with it. It's, eh, it's new format, go with it. Yeah, I was entertained. I, I am, so I, I am look, I'm, I I'm seeing tag team wrestling consistently in the last couple of weeks, and a lot of it on both shows. I am not mad at this. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Let, more tag wrestling all so, the time. Finally, it looks like we're getting Usos and Revival. Are you yes. happy with we're, we're finally getting Usos Revival for the belts? Yes. Finally, it took us long enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for making it happen, Vince. Yeah. Well, at let's, least allowing let's see, it to happen. Let's see how this shakes out because that either could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, as far as I'm concerned with the tag divisions, it's still wait and see. Yeah. They have been turning around a little bit, but uh, I'm going to wait before weighing in and saying, they're saved. The tag division is saved. I, I think if they let it go that the Revival and Usos back and forth could be as good as the New Day and Usos run was two years ago. Yeah, if they let him go, mm. absolutely. Um, I, now, how much do you think this kind of uh, like reemergence of the tag division has to do with Daniel Bryan and the possibility that backstage he may be saying, I really do want to have proper tag team wrestling. I want to elevate the tag division. That's been his... His, you know, what he's been saying in his promos, I, and and I can only mean that to me. I would imagine that that means that there's somewhere there's a head, whether it's creative or whether it's Daniel Bryan personally or some combination thereof, saying, "Let's elevate the tag division. Let's get some prestige back to this." Yeah, because now Daniel Bryan's showing up on both brands, and and, and, and props to Rowan as well for holding his own with that group. Sure. I you think know, Rowan's it's, it's underrated. No, I, I want to be clear about that. You know, it, we we made we made a lot of fun of Rowan as the Bludgeon Brothers, right? Alongside, well, deservedly, alongside Harper, deservedly because of their costumes and stuff like that. But we always said when they put the stupid hammers down and took the capes off, those two big boys got in there and they hurt can people, go. right? Yep. And the I want to give me, make sure that I give props to Rowan here as well for holding his own alongside the likes of Daniel Bryan, the Usos, the Revival, uh, all of them, right? So I. I don't want to discount him, but I, I love the idea, if it's true, that Daniel Bryan is backstage lobbying for more tag team wrestling and you know, be trying to be the savior of it and, and guide it yeah. uh, to where it needs to be because it, it really does need some help. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Rowan, uh, <clears throat> Rowan, Rowan shirt watch. Time. Rowan shirt watch. He went left field here. He, he didn't even do it. It wasn't even a metal band. It was a, it was a hard rock band, although I guess they get a little, a little heavy sometimes. But he, he wore a shirt for what is probably if not my number one band of all time, then top three, he wore a Soundgarden shirt, oh. specifically the Bad Motorfinger uh, album shirt. What, mm. what is the pinwheel thing? What, barbed wire pinwheel, whatever that thing is. Yeah, that's well, that's the album cover, yeah. part of the artwork for it. But yeah, rest in peace, Chris Cornell. Yeah, buddy. Probably one of the greatest rock and roll voices of all time. Yeah, short, short of Robert Rowan. Plant might be the best, best vocalist of all time, I, in my opinion. Uh, man, he's, he's, he's in the running. Yep. He's in the running, but man, yeah. Should we go Sound, do a bonus Soundgarden, episode on one our of the favorite Chris Cornell songs? All time. What's that? Should we go do a bonus episode on our all-time favorite Chris Cornell songs? Uh, no, because it would never end. We'd have to list all I of them. I would list every <laughs> single one, including his solo albums. You have yeah. no idea the depth of my love for Chris Cornell. Rest in peace, buddy. Uh, yeah. I, I watched Soundgarden with 300 other people on the top of a, of a rooftop of a garage oh. in Austin, Texas. Uh, I, I have many stories that are not anything to do with wrestling or the show so we will move on and just say <laughs> excellent taste rowan he keeps the he keeps the role going yes uh we had a couple more things on raw we got to get to <laughs> braun Strowman and bobby lashley had a tug of war you heard that right they had a tug 
of war. Two grown men pulled a rope. I mean, okay. Uh, I mean, the the look, we were pretty high and, and positive on the arm wrestling thing. I was. As, as a feat of strength between two big men. Sure. We like this kind of thing. And this what, falls in the same category for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the tug of war? So I like because we've had some legendary more. ones in WWE. There before. have been some legendary ones. This is not going to go down as a legendary one. It was over far too quickly. Uh, Braun looked like he was losing, and then he realized we realized that he was playing possum and just jerked Bobby Lashley across the entire arena. Bobby Lashley attacked him. There was a beat down. He got the rope across Strowman's eyes. Got one up on Strowman, and Bobby Lashley walks away tall in this. Okay, fine, sure, it happened. The, the arm wrestling was a little bit more entertaining. I felt the best part of this to me was their warm ups. And that was Braun Strowman pulling a, what do they call it, an eight-ton tra- uh, uh, truck yep. for as a warm-up. <laughs> um, and then you had... Uh, Did he do Bob- it with his teeth like the strongmen? He crazy didn't guys pull do? it with his teeth, yeah. no. <laughs> you know, although I, I recall Mark Henry doing something similar where he pulled a, a Jeep or something. Right. Um, but he did it legit. Braun did not legit pull this thing. The rope was slack as he was pulling it. <laughs> but it was cute. It, was an, it, it, it looked cool if you weren't paying too close of attention. Right. Uh, Bobby Lashley, meanwhile, trying to pull a telephone pole out of the ground, but he just snaps the rope. So that was, to me, more entertaining than the actual tug-of-war, quote-unquote, match. At the end of the day, though, here, Nick, we're, we're still looking at this is kind of like a sideshow, feat of strength thing between two really big guys. This is just... Meat and potatoes, Vince's bread and butter, old school WWE stuff. Yeah. Do you think this has a place in modern sports entertainment? I don't think so. I think we're in an era right now where that's where we're in the era of the flippy shit, high speed flippy shit stuff. And I think Vince is the only one truly hanging on to the Carney esque uh, big brutes, you know, the big hosses. Because if you look around wrestling. The wrestling landscape, there's not many of them outside of WWE. And I'm wondering if it's a Vince thing. So, it does A, does it give them a unique position? Sure. Do I watch every week to see who the hell Braun Strowman's going to run down? No, not really. So, I, is this attractive for me? Is this to drive? Is this going to drive me or be one of the reasons why I tune into WWE every week? No, no, not really. It's fun. Okay. I like it. I'm a man, you know, in a primal kind of way. It's like, yeah, baby, pull that rope. Yeah, pull Ew. the truck. But, that's that's just know. getting weird, man. I know. Well, it's, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say to about point it out other to you, than Nick, it's though. fine. That may be the case, but the 16 million views for the arm wrestling match and the currently, two days later, 3 million views for the tug of war match might say differently. Yep. So there might still be a place for it because apparently people still watch two big guys do big guy things. Yep. Um, and honestly, I think this is a good use for both these guys. I think this is the best Lashley look because you're making him look like a legit, like he's almost as strong as Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman, you know, this is much better than having him try to cut a promo or, or be a goofy baby face. Sure. So sure. From, that, from that standpoint, don't have a problem with it. No, not and at all. it's, you know, fine. Have the buffet on the three-hour show. <laughs> a little bit something else. <laughs> Speaking of the buffet... We've also got the 24-7 championship we have to talk about because all kinds of stuff happened with that. Yeah, this is Golden Corral uh, Buffet-esque. After, if you haven't been following it on Twitter, Drake Maverick had his wedding over the weekend and R-Truth crashed it and uh, pinned him in the aisle as he was leaving his wedding uh, to get the 24-7 championship back. In the, meanwhile, in the meantime, Drake's wife has uh, already asked for a divorce. He has not consummated his marriage. And so as a result, he asked R-Truth for a straight-up match 
on Raw. No 24-7 stipulation, just straight-up match for the title. And he lost. And then R-Truth ran away, chased by everybody else in the mid-card and lower card. Drake is a ruined man. He couldn't even uh, answer the, the, the reporter's questions after the match. But then later in the show, R-Truth came back out to the ring during a, I crap you not, Heath, uh, Heath Slater, not Heath Ledger, but Heath Slater, <laughs> and Mojo Raleigh match, which never got started, thank God. Uh, and uh, chaos ensued, including, let's see, I'm trying to remember who all won this. At one point, Heath Slater gave him a cutter and won the 24-7 championship. R-Truth yep. then won it back and then ate a lumbar check by Cedric Alexander, yep. who then became the 24-7 champ, who then got taken out by EC3, of all people, who dropped EC3 his... EC3 red- has a title reign. He dropped his solo cup for a hot second to become the 24-7 champion before getting rolled up by R-Truth on the way out. R-Truth, still your champion, leaving the building. Uh, yeah, <sighs> Cedric Alexander, now a main roster champ, as well as EC3. Yeah, and uh, Heath Slater got a, a solo career as well, a solo uh, <laughs> title run as well. So... Now, my question is, is this all entertaining to you? Is this what you wanted out of the 24-7 championship, or is this not creative enough? It's, it's, I'm still not mad at it. I like, where, I like what they're doing. It adds a different element of, uh, oh, my God, we'll tune in next week to see what, what are them Duke boys going to get into now? <laughs> you know? Eastbound and down, yeah, exactly. loaded up and trucking. So I, I want to see it get to level. I would love to see EC3 have it, and you know maybe he gets drunk and leaves his solo cup on his chest. Oh, uh, the, the Stuff fact like that, that EC3 is turning, you know? turning the ship into, uh, he's just miserable, depressed. Right. Like he's, he's drinking all the time on Twitter now. Like yeah. that's, I almost feel like that he's, he's, he's turning it into his gimmick and I like it. <laughs> I do too. I like it. I'm having a blast. So, uh, but I think that the 24 seven stuff, they, it's about run its course with, like, has everybody that chased... Uh, we haven't had the Singh brothers get it yet. We haven't had Jose get it yet. No, we had but... Titus. Actually, Titus did win it once, I think. He won it for a hot second. Yes. For a hot... Yeah, it was one of those quick roll-up things. So, and then he got it, and Truth got it right back. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the people that are constantly in pursuit of it, running around the arena, uh, and who hasn't gotten it yet. We've got about three or four more people that are going to get one in the next few weeks, but, but is that but, all but that you can do what? with this? Like, just, no, just no, trade it's off not of all people? I want, but I'm saying, but once you run out of guys... Then what? Yeah. How crazy can you but get But so with this? far, it's been the R-Truth show, I think, is kind of my, oh, sure. my point. It's just yeah. been nothing. But, and, and fine, he is wildly entertaining, and honestly, every segment now is fun because of him. Yep. But at a certain point, that's going to get stale, and you're going to want to get like find another level to it. Or as, as we said when they first in, in, introduced the belt, get insane. Yep. Like, really take the shackles off and get nuts with this. Get real, and then they've gotten pretty good. Like they've got some fun stuff. I mean, a pinfall in, in a wedding ceremony is great stuff, but like really get crazy with this. Yep. You know, like well, you, you, some, what, what did you say, Ramblin' Rabbit as the twenty four seven champ? Yeah, we saw some stuff over on SmackDown where well, and uh, Raw, both all four puppets, yeah. by the way, from the Funhouse fun showed up in uh, hiding in the backgrounds. I'm, that's what I, I want to see. Ramblin' Rabbit pin somebody when they're asleep and become the twenty four seven champion. And they make like a mini belt that put they put around his his puppet body, just shit like that. Yeah, before Mercy the Buzzard bites his head off and takes it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And maybe Mercy eats it so nobody can get it, and then Bray has to like rip his guts. So I don't know. Let's get nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get nuts. This is an explicit rated show, by the way. We can talk about stuff like that. Oh, all righty wow. then. All <laughs> right. Nick, Nick, going all the way back to the Attitude Era for some of these storylines. Uh, and then finally, on Monday Night Raw, we had a match, Alexa versus Natalia, where Alexa beat Natalia, and then 
Because why not? After a commercial break, it was restarted as a tag match. Sure. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Natalia and Naomi. Nikki hit her finishing move on Natalia before Alexa did a blind tag and snuck in to take the pinfall, but told Alexa, Nikki, no, no, it's okay, because you won, you won. And Nikki's like, oh, yeah, I suppose I did. That's great. I've got a great pinfall victory. Although I didn't get the pin, I did do the finishing move, and that's great. Hey, hey, I'm Nikki. Yeah. So uh, I, I have a lot to say about this, but I want to save it for SmackDown. SmackDown, because you know what? I, do too. I, I have some crazy fantasy speculation about where this could go in a good way. I'm so glad you ended that with speculation because I really don't want to hear about your crazy fantasies about Nikki and Alexa. Well, that's another talk podcast. About that we need to go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, this week on SmackDown Live, the two out of threes falls matches continued as we uh, had Kofi. Again, face this time facing off against Dolph Ziggler. Again. 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 Two out like, of three I, falls. Like, I thought this was done. I thought the Kofi whole thing was supposed to be me. Well, and we were past that. What I liked about this, though, was that not only was this match great, probably the best match they've had together since being in this program. Um, you know, the first two falls were whatever. But, of course, once we got to the final fall, then we had the actual freaking match. Right. And it was great. Lots of near falls. and But uh, this was for... Dolph to be inserted into the Samoa Joe match at uh, Extreme Rules. And I got to say, they had me worried, Nick. They did. I was like, no, no, I don't. No more Ziggler. I don't want him. No. And he lost. Thank goodness Kofi did pin him. And uh, it, Dolph seems to be done for now. Unless he finds another way to weasel himself into this match. I wouldn't rule that, it out. That being said, I'm ready for Dolph to move on. Um, hopefully they find something different for him to do. Yeah. But uh, because, God, the guy's talented. I just, uh, kills me. But uh, you guys be- all know how I feel. No need to repeat that. Yeah. Again. No I need, want no the need show to off add, add nauseum. Yep. But uh, the one thing I got to say about this, though, man, is weren't we supposed to be done with auto rematches or just rematches in general? Like, hey, we know you don't want to see the same match over and over again. That's what they said back in December. And well, we're the authority we in that saw in that mind too, aren't we? Uh, supposedly, yeah. Maybe they're like, "Well, it's not the same match because it's not a cage match. It's a two out of three falls <laughs> match. See, it's different." Haka, haka, haka. We're raising the stakes a little bit. Yeah, the stakes are raised. The momentum, the momentum is building. So no, it's fine. All right, Kofi and Dolph had a great two out of three falls match. Dolph's out of the picture. It's going to be Kofi and Joe. It's cleared up for next week. We can just do a Kofi and Joe program next week and go straight to Extreme Rules. Great, cool. Is there any fine. stipulation announced on that booked match? Well, the rules will be extreme. I know that. What? What is? Ooh, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Does, yeah. So, extreme, I, I, what not, does extreme rules even mean anymore, Nick? It means that they have a whole bunch of matches that might have a stipulation or two. Right. Exactly. It doesn't, doesn't mean that all of a sudden everyone's going to be bringing out barbed wire baseball bats. Sure. Dragging the trash can of implements yeah. down, down the we're road. Not gonna yeah, get a, we're I, I not going to get, get any more uh, Ambrose Asylum matches. I'll tell you that. So the the reason I asked that is because I would not rule it out that Dolph Ziggler inserts himself into this on the on the night. Right, um, if it's like somehow a, if comes it's like in a and screws Kofi no over. DQ match and Dolph Ziggler comes out to interfere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I, I, I just I would hate Nick, it. Nick, they listen. Don't give them these ideas. Yeah, please, uh, if you are listening, because we know you do, uh, please do not do that. We we have seen enough <laughs> Dolph and Kofi do that. I, at this point, let let Joe be Joe. He will handle things fine. You don't need a Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And RVD, there. we know you listen at least. We're actually sure of that. Yeah. RVD, would you talk to... I, mean, I know that you're not talking to those guys anymore, but maybe you've got an in. Tell yeah. them no. Or maybe RVD, you come back. Stop messing yeah. around at Impact and go back to WWE. Yes, exactly. Um, we miss your frog splash. We, oh, man. 
Uh, I don't know, dude. Between Montez Ford and Seth Rollins, I think we've got some pretty good ones going on don't there. Don't rule out the Usos either, you know? Uh, yeah, or Kevin Owens. Yeah, true. Uh, so also on SmackDown Live, we had some tag team madness. As we said, tag team insanity continued over here, only this time it was originally supposed to be a New Day versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan match. Mm. But uh, after that... It turned into a New Day and Heavy Machinery versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens match. What, was this was this too much? Should it just stayed? Should it have just stayed New Day versus uh, Planet's Champions? Mm, you know, it was. We were fortunate enough to be able to watch this together, and I want to say that I think going into it, I was just like, "Oh God!" Well, and I think uh, there was a moment where I said, "When." Um, when KO and Sammy came out, I was like, hey, heavy machinery out for the save, and then ding, Boom. ding, and then they yeah. hear, we hear the music hit. Well, and also, I didn't like the fact that, once again, you know, so the New Day just lost to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sure. And here they give a midnight hour to Daniel Bryan and beat him clean. Right. Which is right. fine. I, they're, they're, you know, it's their way of saying, oh, see, we deserve a title shot. Okay, great. Kind of the similar but reverse booking to the Raw match. But at the same time, it's a little bit more... It's uh, what a fifty-fifty booking ish. You know what I mean? Like, okay, sure. It's the and, new and day. Look, they don't you need to win about this in New Japan right all the time. So I'm I'm not going to let you shit on it too much. But this uh, eight-man tag match is I'm a lot of that. fun, and we got the gym, guys. I want to draw attention to one thing: the potential of putting Otis Dozovich and Big E together it, in the ring at any time is gold. Well, the and one we thing need that- to let that run. Yeah, well, when you what you and I said, Nick, is having Heavy Machinery and New Day yes. hanging out together, first of all, is going to be comedy gold. From yes. an entertainment standpoint, that's good stuff. Keep that stuff going. They've already had some fun YouTube stuff going on. Like, that's that's good stuff. Um, and these all of these guys wrestling together, you're going to get good stuff. And sure enough, you did. This was a very clean-looking match. Xavier Woods, people don't realize how good he is until he gets in the ring with someone like Daniel Bryan. And Xavier's really good. And the yeah, two guys bring the best out of each other. Um, everyone looked fantastic here. You know, heavy machinery. They can go. Yeah, they can. And that, and they that compact, fan- I love that compactor move that they do. It, I, lo- I love how they've uh, changed it up from NXT to now it's a uh, Tucker goes flying in the air and hits a second hit on them. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think that all of this felt gratuitous. It felt weird at the end where, in, where Kevin, and, uh, Kevin walked away from the ring and let Sammy eat the pin, mm-hmm. which may, I might mean that they're breaking up. Here we go is, again. Which is, <laughs> right, right. Do we need another one of those storylines? Right. I don't know. Here comes version 27, I've How been promising. How will we deal with that going forward? Right. Um, but yeah, obviously lots to unpack here. Does this mean that New Day gets a title shot? What's up with Heavy Machinery? What's up with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? All I know is I like seeing this many tag teams on screen at once, but at the same time, it felt redundant after Monday, and it feels like throwing a lot at us at one time. Listen, again, I am not going to complain about there being too much tag team wrestling on both shows. It's what we've been begging for for at least as long as this show's been going, as as our podcast has been going. So we're getting it. Finally, I'm okay with it. Let's let's ride it out and see where it goes. I'm not mad at all at Heavy Machinery and New Day being standing next to each other the the the, the shenaniganry that could come from that is, is worth its weight in gold and I'm, i want to see that i agree so at the at the end of the day there's not too much to complain about here oh, not oh, that the, we should well, be complaining on. at all what? rowan's shirt watch. oh this is this is the oh, big boy, one it's a good one it's a really good one well the sound garden was a really big one but you know as far as metal goes when he sticks to when he sticks to metal shirts yes this is the one that you and i both were waiting for him to bring out oh yeah gojira oh gojira uh arguably my favorite modern metal band 
and and I actually slept on those guys until you really introduced me to them. Yeah, and yeah. I've I've been obsessed now for the I last discovered year them or so. On uh, uh, from Mars to Sirius back in like oh. 2006 oh. is when I got on board with them, and I've just been obsessed ever since. I, I saw them open for oh god, who was it? Was it? Um, uh, I'll 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 remember probably later in the show. But um, oh, Mastodon! I saw them open for Mastodon. And they absolutely killed it. Some of those crazy seven and eight string riffs that they do are just absurd. And their uh, their drummer Mark is just he's oh, an absolute octopus. Oh, so God. no, Gojira, yes, good stuff. Rowan, yes. Rowan killing the game. Oh man, killing the game this week. Uh, speaking of killing my game, Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon was everywhere, everywhere on the show this week. And they actually, the they, I think SmackDown was chanting "No more Shane." They were the so I want to get to talk about that. We let's <laughs> let's talk about what they did here. We had a another two out of three falls match with Elias versus Miz. I think it's the most Elias has wrestled straight since he's come to the main roster. Right. Uh, of course, Shane got involved, and uh, they ended up at the end of the whole thing beating down poor little Miz and giving him a coast to coast and murdering him and sending him packing. Um, theoretically, that's supposed that's supposed to be the end quote-unquote, of the Miz and Shane feud. We'll see if that's the case, right. Nick. <laughs> right. Lord knows that hasn't been going on all year. Well, I like long-term booking, though, so if they bring this back in some sort of storyline later, I'm not going to be too mad. But this did seem like kind of uh, running in place a little bit. Yep. A little bit of but, treading water happening here. Yeah, absolutely. But as you said, uh, first of all, first two things here. One, it felt like Miz was just a heater for the Roman Reigns match because Seth even mocked Roman Reigns in the middle of this match. So obviously, you see where the priorities are. Um, you know, yeah, Shane, Shane was doing the ooh-ahs yeah, and the exactly. spears. And, oh. Yep, yep. Um, but as you said, no more Shane chance. Mm-hmm. Is, at this point, should we change X-Pac heat to Shane heat? I think so. Um, is the, do you think that backstage WWE is hearing that and going, ha-ha, we got them, they really hate Shane? Or are they going crap? They're they they are not buying this whole storyline. Maybe we should change things up. Yeah, I think for any other, I think it's unfair to compare Shane to X Pac. <laughs> um, All right, how about this? I'll compare him to Baron Corbin last fall or winter. No, no, that's not what I mean. I think it's unfair to sh- compare Shane to any other superstar because of Shane being a McMahon. I think I think what they're trying to do here is recreate the magic of the Mr. McMahon corporate foil character um, in with Shane in mind. You know, twenty years later, and what they're missing is the flip side of that. It's not going to be Miz, and it's not going to be Roman. They need someone at least of a Becky caliber, at least with that the fans are behind to make this a real thing. But what they're doing is giving us only one side of it constantly on TV. If there was a, if there was a constant, uh, you know, hope and, and and aspiration that oh god that Shane's gonna get beat down by whoever it is, he's gonna get his, he's gonna get. You know, but we're missing that, and it makes this just oh such a drudgery to get through. Because it's just so much Shane all the time. I well, don't, I don't as know, I was man. just saying, remember last winter, last fall and winter, you had an authority figure in Baron Corbin, yeah, as as the you know whatever the nominal general manager, whatever they called it. I don't even, I don't even, I still don't even care. But uh, you know, you had him doing his thing, and it was almost the same thing where 
he would get, you know, he would be annoying to everybody. He'd get involved in everything. You saw him week in and week out doing stuff all the time. And it got so bad that they had to come on TV and apologize and shame him and send him packing. Now they're doing the exact same thing again with Shane. And it's obviously they didn't learn their mistakes from that. Uh, or they were like, that was really great heat. We're really, we're happy about that kind of reaction. But I can't see how that would be the interpretation they would take from it when their ratings tanked as a result. So I, I'm very curious why they're going down the same kind of Baron Corbin route with Shane McMahon right now when we just so recently saw that this kind of authority heel figure doesn't work and it doesn't communicate to the fans what they want to see. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, this is... Unless they could find somebody like a, a, a stone cold to Mr. McMahon to face off against Shane, this is, this is, di- this is DOA. Well, I think they should just find a new way to tell storylines in general and I maybe agree. drop the authority figure angle altogether. Uh, like that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, right. A new feature on the show, potentially, the Shane Sneaker Watch. Oh. Shane Sneaker Watch brought to you by listener Gerardo Garcia, who has been up on this for the last few weeks. And I'm just going to, you know, if he, he, he's posting them in the, uh, the discussion group. I'm just going to start poaching them and put them on the show because it's kind of fascinating. I know next to nothing about sneakers. But I, one thing I will tell you, Nick, if I can look at some a man's sneakers and go, those are nice sneakers. Yep. They're probably nice sneakers. And I, every week in, week, in, week in and week out, I look at Shane's feet and go, man's got some nice kicks on there. Those are some good-looking kicks. Yep. Well, now we know what they are. Thanks to listener Gerardo Garcia. He was wearing the Air Jordan 1 Retro High OGs, the bread toe edition, I guess, quote-unquote bread toes. I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> But if you're a listener and you were wondering what Shane was wearing this week, now you know. Now you know. And apparently they're really nice shoes. I literally own two pairs of shoes, so this that that tells you everything you need to know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I have I have like one pair of sneakers at a time, and then I replace them. <laughs> yeah, I've got my work I mean, I've shoes, got and I've got boots, and I've got boots, but yeah. I have like a pair of sneakers. <laughs> And then when they are done, I replace them, and that's then I still have sneakers, right? I've got, I, the, I've got the people that which are kind of like grown up out, like they're like L.A. slippers, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so. I, I understand that it's a that there's people, men and women, that have closets full, oh, yeah. of shoes, and they put them there on display, and everybody has their fandoms, everybody has their thing. Oh, uh, everyone has uh, their thing. Looking around the danger cave, yours is going to be um, vinyl and DVD collections and Blu-rays. <laughs> Uh, and books, you guys, sure. an inside scoop here. But no, mine is probably Chachki's geek Chachki things. Apparently, Shane's is Jordans. Yeah. So yeah, I, and, I can't imagine the closet in this guy's house. I haven't owned a pair of Jordans since I was 16 years old. But you know what? Same. I get it. Same. I get it. Uh, if I, I, I was some actually, of these are like five six hundred dollars a pair. If I was actually athletically inclined at all, that uh, has when it to came to basketball. <laughs> when it came to basketball, I've got some things I can do. But basketball is, I, I yeah. That's about the, the worst sport I right. am at. So right. there you go. All right. Uh, we digress, Nick. Yep. We, uh, we need to get back to Nikki and Alexa and their whole, th- their whole storyline because that continued on to SmackDown. Not only did Alexa help uh, or Nikki help Alexa get a win on Monday Night Raw, but then as a way of saying thank you, she went and got herself... Nikki did, went and got herself a match with Bailey on SmackDown with the stipulation that if Bailey lost, Alexa would get a rematch for Bailey's SmackDown Women's Championship. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Alexa, of course, off to Singapore for their Euro- for their Asian tour. Um, and so Nikki had a match against Bailey. And Nick, she pinned her clean as a whistle. Bailey did a uh, a suicide dive through the bottom rope to the outside and crashed and burned 
hard. That was Bailey that did that. Uh, Bailey did that, yeah. yes. It wasn't Heath Ledger. No. And uh, Nikki <laughs> threw her back in and gave her a finishing move and pinned her. One, two, three. And then ran around the ring losing her mind. Dude, uh, so Nikki... Nikki just like pinned the women's champion, guys. She's getting some serious... Yeah, she's getting some serious shine right and, now. And got about three to five minutes of TV time just running around and being crazy Nikki. Yeah, res- Something's up here. Yelling at the uh, announcers and trying to yep. use their cell phones to call Alexa in Singapore. Yep. All, all good stuff, by the way. Yep. All good stuff. And by the way, this was a pretty solid match as well. So all, all in all, Nick, you know, I, I think initially we, everyone was very nervous about an Alexa Bailey program. Um, and I think everyone was very nervous about having Nikki be soft-spoken little Scottish Nikki and not crazy, crazy bannock button banshee. <laughs> um, so everyone's kind of nervous about all of that. But here we are now a few weeks down the road and we're getting a long-term storytelling about Alexa and Nikki. And we had, you know, we've had long-term Alexa turns on people's storylines before, whether it's uh, Naya or Mickey or whatever. Is this one that's actually so far seems to be working and is interesting? And if so, why is that? What's what's working about all this? You know, I have two things to say here. And I said when we were talking about Raw that I wanted to save my yeah. uh, my my comments on this for after we talked about this. So two things. One, I, I hate that we had to fall back creative on another Alexa turning on a friend angle. Like it's no, it's, she hasn't turned on her yet. I, I Okay. <laughs> She's already making the faces. We're already getting the hints. It's already happening. Okay. <laughs> uh, she was already pretty upset with Nikki for going behind her back and getting this opportunity while she was going to be gone out of the country. Right. That was abundantly clear. I think my crazy speculation is, is that I think Nikki ends up with the championship in some surprise turn of events where she gets an opportunity or she does something maybe she didn't realize she was the legal person and ends up pinning bailey she wins the championship you know i don't want to say screwing over alexa but i think in a matter of accidents of sorts nikki ends up your smackdown women's champion and i think that's good storytelling i think that keeps this going if they're setting things up this way and they're giving nikki all this time I think that's a good way to go about it. Does it need to be Nikki that takes it off of Bailey, though? I don't know if that's a good look for Bailey, and I'm a little worried about that. She's looked pretty good since winning it. and Has she? Yeah, I think so. She's looked better than she did last time, but Hashtag that's not, not saying Charlotte, much. You know? I'm still bitter about Asuka. No, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it me started. It hasn't been long enough yet. I'm still crying myself to sleep at night because of Asuka. But anyway... Uh, there's some good stuff that might be happening there, too, by the way. Um, but as far as Nikki Cross goes, I think we're all going to get surprised here. So I, I'm wi- I, I see you, creative. I see what you're up to. <laughs> wink, wink. I like it. Keep doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking this as well. It's the kind of storytelling I would like to see more of yeah. in WWE. So very happy with what they're doing with Nikki and Alexa right now. And even to some extent with Bailey. Um, although I'm not sure I'm ready for another Bailey and Alexa, Alexa kendo stick match at Extreme Rules. I'm a little nervous. Uh, that's not what we're getting, but I'm just saying, right. don't do not do that. No, no, no. No, we don't need to see it again. Uh, also in the women's division, which is nice a nice thing to say, is that we're talking about the women's division, and we have not yet said the words Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair. Um, so that's that's good. That means well, that they're doing things. Well, you just did and ruined that. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> um, here we are in the women's division over on SmackDown, and we are talking about Sonya Deville and Ember Moon. Now, I want to be careful how we talk about this. I just want to put that out there. We need to be a little bit delicate Why? here. Why? Uh, well, there, this, this, 
All right, all right. Let me explain. Let me explain yeah, why, you, why Nick you is do getting. You that, and then I'll, Nick I'll is, go. Nick I'll is go getting over nervous my over there. Nick, the the hairs are going up on the back of Nick's neck because you know he knows where I'm going with this. Yes. So we had a, a Matt Ember Moon has been bullied by Sonia and Mandy over the last few weeks. This week she decided to strike back, but due to a little bit of outside interference by Mandy Rose, she ends up uh, eating the pin. Sonia does pin her one, two, three after a fairly quick, nice, hard hitting match. Um, God, God, it made me want to see more from these two. But um, that was the match. The story comes after the match where while they were celebrating, there was, how shall we put it, a very subtle, tender moment between Mandy and Sonia where Sonia kind of caressed the side of Mandy's face. And it was definitely a little more than a, hey, I'm so happy you won. I'm so happy that I won too kind yeah. of moment. It, was a, it went a little bit beyond that. Uh-huh. Um, so a while back, maybe six, eight months, I forget how long ago it was, I said something to the effect of, wouldn't it be interesting if, due to the fact that uh, Sonia, Sonia Deville, we, we have never had the character defined as such, although she does wear a rainbow handkerchief in her back pocket. And, and her even shirt that's is fairly colors. new. She's just started doing that recently. Um, over the last few months. Sure. But uh, there's, she, there's been subtle hints at it for most of the time she's been on the main roster. Um, but she is out as a lesbian. She is out, yeah. yes. But it's never been something that they've made a big deal out of, is my no. point. And she's never made a big deal out of it as, as her character, which I think is the right thing to do. It's just there. Great. That's awesome. However, I thought that there was the possibility to do some kind of uh, subtle, well-told storyline where uh, they involve the fact of her sexuality in the storyline yeah. with her and Mandy because of the way that they interact, because sometimes they're on-again, off-again tag team partners. Um, the dynamic between two of them with Mandy being kind of the hot one and Sonya being the badass. Uh, I thought there was a story to tell there. And I think my and retort said, to you was, I, I don't have faith that they could yeah. pull that off because we end up with Jacqueline and Tori Wilson in the office it, in their bras again. <laughs> At some point, they're going to end up in a mud match. And there right, you go. exactly. Exactly, right. <laughs> so that was, I immediately walked it back when I said that. And I said, no, on the other hand, I don't want them touching Sonya Deville's sexuality with a thousand foot pole because I don't trust them to tell that story. Yeah. No, I think However, an elegant way to do it would be to have a, a sort of jealous thing where maybe Sonya was really into Mandy, but Mandy wasn't into her. Well, I don't, but know? here's the thing. I don't even want them touching anything to do with a relationship. Just have it kind of be there in subtle little moments like this. But aside from that, be unspoken. Yeah. Don't really call it out. Just have it be there in little moments like these, but never say anything about it beyond that. And, and they, frankly, and if this is a moment that they, if this is a moment that we do like once a month where there's a little hint at something, there's a hint that they're in a relationship, but nothing else is said beyond yeah. that. That is what I would like to see from this. They did where it. it's it's shown to be acceptable. It's shown to be something that just it just is. It's not a it's not shoved in our faces. It's just kind of a yes, it is just there. You mean like they're doing with Seth and Becky? Not like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. Hey, did the you know their girlfriends? Did, yeah, did, did hey, you know hey, their hey, girlfriends? Hey, they're seeing each other? That's right. Sonya Deville, she's an advocate for, for women's rights and LGBTQ rights. And isn't it awesome? Aren't we great? WWE, we're fantastic. We're so inclusive. You know it'll become that. Ex right? Exactly. You know, for, you, know, you guys know that would happen. For, for uh, this beautiful little moment, for this beautiful little moment, we can have a moment of saying, look, they did something subtle. Isn't that wonderful? And they held... I want to I give them credit for hanging on to it for just the right amount of time. Just long enough. Like, like the 
perfect amount. They let it linger yeah. just enough. Well, it was all the performers. Yes, and, and, and fantastic you know, job, Sonia. You Mandy. know as well as I do, I, I do like both of them as performers. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, speaking of performances, Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick is getting his acting in this week between uh, being having his heart torn out on Monday Night Raw and then being a, a quote, broken man on SmackDown Live coming up to R-Truth, who, by the way, was hiding in the back during a, uh, a Sonya Deville and Mandy segment. He was, was hiding in the, rabbit back. in the background, by the way. Uh, yeah, Ramblin' Rabbit in I the background. I tried to read into that, but I couldn't make sense of anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I have yet to really try to sit down and, and parse if there's any kind of uh, like meaning, deeper meaning behind when the puppets have shown up so far. But, right. Uh, whatever. Um, so yeah, so, so Drake Maverick uh, asked for another shot at the title from R-Truth, and R-Truth said, all right, I'll give it to you. Get a ref. Just kidding. We're done. And he runs off, and Drake Maverick is just destroyed again. <laughs> this is just... I thought it was Carmelo's wedding. Oh, Brilliant. Man. Brilliant. He called, stuff. Him, called him Hornswoggle, and I almost lost oh. it. I almost lost it right so, there, guys. Yeah. So more, more fun 24-7 stuff. Basically, just, <laughs> but just reiterate what we said on Monday. This is all fun, but at some point, it's going to stop being the R-Truth show. Yeah. Otherwise, this is, this is going to die fairly quickly. Yep. A uh, couple more notes on SmackDown before we move on. Finn Balor looks like his first challenger for, or second, I guess, because Andrade's moving on to Apollo Crews. Whoop-de-whoop. Great. Uh, his first real challenger for the IC belt will be Shinsuke Nakamura? Mm-hmm. He's still around? He's still there. He's still doing stuff? Again, I he just hope he doesn't descend into dick punches. He too sweeted. The, <laughs> no! Do not touch the Finn Dong with your Nakamura hand. Yes. Don't, be, don't, don't even say it, Nick. <laughs> no one touches Finn the Finn Dong. Yeah. Well, maybe Finn, da- Finn Balor's new fiance does, but that's yeah. neither the. That's not the point. <laughs> Let's see a real feud between Finn Balor and Nakamura. Yes, I would please. love to see that. that I'm in. I'm, I, Nakamura's I, I, not I'm, dead to me I'm yet. I'm dying of thirst for that. Please let it happen <laughs> naturally. What I yes. am not dying of thirst of is these damn Alistair Black segments. This week, he absolutely lost his mind, freaking out about people not knocking on his door. Someone finally knocked on his door, and he grinned all creepy. Ugh. Dear God, let it end. Let it end. Maybe I, th- I thought they were going to end it after Stomping Grounds. Now it looks like they're going to end it after Extreme Rules. They've uh, now, Nick. Um, do you remember when Alistair Black was the NXT champion back when he was in, in NXT, yep. and we thought of all of the awesome ways that they could debut him? How amazing and how like epic it would be mm. when they debuted him, and he he came up and he rose from the mist, and he went out there and was all creepy and scary and spooky and black metal and all this stuff. I've gone out there and said he could be the new Undertaker. Yeah, and we've had a month and a half of him in a back room, weirdly lit with red and blue lights, ranting about someone coming and knocking on his door, which when you think about it practically is probably the weirdest thing that there's some guy sitting in a dark but yet strangely well-lit-for-camera room (laughs) <laughs> in in these random stadiums that he's just like driving himself to these stadiums getting a camera crew and beautifully lighting a room and then waiting for someone to knock on the door to challenge him is this what and we're paying going insane. hundreds of thousands of dollars to do i mean what in the world was the end game here i, I i've lost the plot at this point like well, i'm we actually got a knock on the door this week we finally. got a knock on the door but now alistair black looks like he's clinically insane and really really weird and not in a cool way i mean why not just have michael cole explain his backstory for five weeks it would be just as uncool and it would ruin him just as quickly right right he's a he's a what was the word he used 
I can't remember now. He I don't. Some I've, weird... I've tried to forget. Yeah, I've, exactly. I, 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 uh, so here's my here's my who's crazy... man enough to pick a fight with me? Here's my crazy theory, um, and I think I told you this already, and you reacted poorly to it. So I'm going to tell it, say it to the listeners so that they can hear it and see oh, what they Nick think. Theory. Um, hashtag I, Nick theories. Yes, hashtag Nick. I think it's Bray Wyatt. I think it's the. It might be the, the Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. You know, this new character that he's because I think it aligns with the puppets appearing this week on Raw and SmackDown. And now he's knocking on Alistair's door. Look, I, I think the feud between the two of them would be badass. The problem with it, as you so aptly stated, yes. is that one of them ends up buried. Correct. One of them ends up ruined, and we need both of those guys to have a good showing on their debuts and returns. When they come back, they both need to face people that seem like threats, but when they beat them, it's a big deal. Right. And they, they don't need that with each other. If one, they put, Somebody has to lose. Correct. Right. If they situation. have Alistair facing off against Buddy Murphy, who comes in as a babyface of some sort. I don't know if Alistair's supposed to be a babyface or a heel. I, yeah, I'm leaning towards heel at this point. Yeah. But if it's you know a face Buddy Murphy, and they can go out there and have great matches, but at the end, Alistair looks like he's a monster who can kill you. Or the same thing with Bray and Buddy, let's say Buddy Murphy for the sake of argument. That's great. But if it's, if it's, if it's both Bray and Alistair, one of them is going to look terrible if they lose that feud. Yeah, that's, they need, yeah. It, it just wouldn't end well. And I, I you know, I, it sounds good on paper. And I've seen several other people say that this week as well. So I, I don't want to take full credit for that, but it's, it's a good idea on paper. No, it's not. The feud between those two would be good, but not now. Not now, because of the situation that they're both in, uh, as far as a return or a repackaging sort, sort yeah. of situation. And they both, they're, I mean, it's, it's following the same pattern. They're both doing these segments week in and week out. Only Bray is doing Firefly Funhouse, and Alistair is doing Wackadoo in a dark room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's it's two very different things, and right. with with exactly diametrically opposite results. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that is it for SmackDown, Nick, and that's it for the main roster. There's plenty more wrestling to talk about, though, but that means we need to go talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, this week on NXT, we kicked off the Breakout Stars Challenge. Am I naming that right? I believe so. Yeah, the Breakout, uh, Breakout Stars Challenge Championship Tournament. Something tournament thing. Thing in NXT. Uh, this week we had uh, Joaquin Wilde versus Angel Garza. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, so I, I got. Uh, how do we lead into this, Nick? <laughs> because first of all, we had Joaquin Wilde come out in what I can only describe as an outfit that was the Predator crossed with uh, with Ali's outfit. If Mustafa Ali took on the role of the Predator in the next Predators movie, yeah, uh, it would be Joaquin Wilde. Walking Wild, yes. And then, of course, we had uh, Angel Garza come out. The former Garza Jr. came out in his uh, long, long uh, Spanish trousers and Mex- the Mexican flag pants, uh, long pants, which was kind of cool. But he came out and uh, started immediately eyeing everybody's sister and everybody's mother in the crowd and saying, yes, I would take you it's, home. I think it's actually Mexican Colin Farrell. Yeah, he, it was, looks was, a little bit <laughs> like Colin Farrell, only with, with way more sex appeal. Yes. Um, like he looked into the camera, he, just, he sees you. <laughs> I, I, say, I, I can I took seduce your mother out last night. I can seduce your girlfriend yeah. from here. You sitting on the couch with her? Get your hands off her. She is mine we, now. We went and looked at all the YouTube videos, and the cover photos of all the videos are him staring sensually into the camera. Uh, oh, check it out, guys! It's I, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so we're 
Here's the thing, Nick. I know we're going to get on a, a continuous digression about Angel Garza in this match. Let's just say this right up front. This match was awesome, and both these guys can work. Yes. Both of these guys looked amazing in this match. Tons of innovative offense, tons of great moves. It was a very exciting match, a great start off to this tournament. And honestly, both these guys are fully on my radar right now, although Garza was before this, but man, they both are now. Um, who do you think stood out more? I mean, they both had a lot of incredible moves, incredible offense, but who do you think jumped out of the camera? Uh, Garza's trunks. <laughs> uh, so anyway. one, let me explain. At one point in the match, uh, he ripped off his long pants, very uh, very Tai Chi and annexed in yeah. New Japan style. Nice little hat tip to Tai Chi there. Nice little, well... Uh, ripped them off and underneath he was wearing trunks that I can only describe as cut perfectly to make the show just barely on this side of TVMA. <laughs> How yeah, they kept move, it PG, I don't know. Hashtag Garzadong. Oh my God. The, uh, Finn Balor is in for some serious competition. Right. The, the, the Garzadong <laughs> made me... Uh, Made me wince like I, I was kind of like a dog when you like stare at them really hard. I was just kind of like kind of like trying to turn my head to like not, not oh oh god oh it's just it's just I can't look away. It's just right there. Oh god, good god, put it away. That was the only distraction from what was a fantastic exhibition. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, I, I mean the match. Sorry. Uh, oh, but anyway, both of these guys look fantastic and high hopes. And I think I even said to you. That we were, what I think my comment to you was something along the lines of, was is this the, if this is the next generation that Regal and Trips have been hiding uh, as we've moved on from like the Gargano, Champa, Alistair Black, Ricochet era? Yeah. Now that those have moved up and on, uh, now we have if we look at it, we have Velveteen Dream, Undisputed Era, and some of these new up and comers. Holy smokes! The future is very bright indeed for NXT with if the talent is this good. Well, and also as far as uh, Latino stars, I think that Garza, I mean, this this guy could go an immensely long distance. Absolutely. And I you know, I can't actually say anything about him without worrying about saying some sort of double entendre. So don't take long distance as anything <laughs> other than what it is. Um uh, you know, I I want to call him the total package, but even that sounds wrong. Uh, cuz I don't want to talk about packages. But the, the, but the bottom line is, I think that he's a guy who can actually, he can speak English well. Um, obviously, the looks are there. The wrestling is there. Uh, you know, this, this is a guy who could go on the main roster and go a long way. And you know they're looking for other Latino stars. Yes. Joaquin Wilde is, is a Filipino star. He can go a long way uh, if they're looking for more inclusivity. So, yeah, the future is very bright uh, for both of these guys. Yep. Next up, we had the uh, the Street Profits come out uh, with their nice, shiny, new NXT Did we mention that, An- that Angel Garcia won that last match? Or Angel Garza. Garza? Yeah. But I, Angel, yeah. Angel Garza did win there, yeah, which, which he, is, I think, the right move. I mean, he's, he's already winning at life. Yep. Uh, next week, we announced that we're going to have uh, Swerve, formerly known as Killshot, facing off against, uh, was it uh, Trevor Lee, whatever his new name is. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes versus Swerve Scott. That's, yes. that's next week in the tournament. Yep. Uh, but we had the Street Profits come out with their shiny new NXT Tag Team Championships mm. Mm. and their Solo Cups and a very, very hot and over uh, NXT universe at full sale. Holy smokes, the Street Profits are popular. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But however, who's even more popular, led by one Jackson Riker, uh, the Forgotten Sons. Oh God! Came out to uh, challenge them and say, "Hey, we want a shot." And they were going to have a match, but then uh, I think it was uh, it wasn't Montez Ford. Uh, I can't remember who was the other guy's name. Dawkins. Dawkins. Thank you. Said, um, uh, "Why don't we put these NXT titles on the line?" Yep. So we had a title match. Street we Profits had a versus title Forgotten match. Sons. This is what's weird to me. They they the Forgotten Sons, you know, kind of barking up and down here, and they finally get a title match. And five minutes into it, Jackson Riker, genius that he is, gets them DQ'd. What? What, what are you doing? I mean, he's Jackson Riker. I'm sure he had a plan. Uh, yeah. Oh, what a plan it was. He had to drag. <laughs> he had to drag them away from the ring by their hair. He dragged. He dragged the other two forgotten sons away from the ring by their hair, which was which was very alpha male of him. Yeah, and the weirdness but didn't stop there. Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch came out for the came save. out for the save. Yeah. And then said, you owe us now. We want a title match. So where is the tag team division in NXT going? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, because it, is it too small? Cause we, we've seen these guys all compete against each other already. It's just now that Street Profits are the tag champs. So are, are you excited to see Street Profits versus Birch and Lorcan or Street Profits versus Forgotten Sons again? No, but I think that's what we're going to get, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. So You don't think that at some point Undisputed Era is going to come along and knocking? Uh, probably Probably. Uh, do we end up in some crazy four-way tag match, fatal four-way thing? Maybe. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, what I didn't like was ta- Oni and Lorkin taking a bit of a heely kind of position here. I've never viewed them as heels, and they came out to save the face tag champs, but then kind of did some heely shit. Uh, I didn't take that as a heel. I thought that, that was just them standing up for themselves. Holding the titles, yanking Oni yanked it away from Montez Ford. Yeah, and then uh, Danny Burst, you know, said, all right, these are yours. But you owe us. Yep. That's fine. Okay. I didn't mind it. Didn't mind it at all. Still good stuff, but I wouldn't mind another tag team or so getting involved in the mix and kind of shaking up the division. Yeah. Or something. Something needs to be shaked up, shaken up a little bit. Is yeah. It's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Well, with, with, with AOP leaving, with War Machine, Viking, uh, Raiders Experience Machine leaving, uh, it does feel there's a little bit of a gap right now. So. It does, and maybe they just need to get their feet back underneath them. Again, when it comes to maybe NXT... AOP needs to come back to NXT. When it comes to NXT, complaining about things like this is nitpicking because yeah. overall, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Also fantastic is basking in the glory of Keith Lee, who had a quote-unquote match with Nikos Rikos, who we've never seen before, <laughs> who had probably the worst ring gear I've seen in years. Yeah. May- maybe ever. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was black with uh, the Greek flag on it and uh, Opa on his butt. But then it was like cut diagonally across his chest. So he had one arm with a sleeve on it. And then the other arm was bare and the right half of his chest was bare. And then his left leg was bare, but his right leg had a long pant on. What? What? I mean, I know he's supposed to be an enhancement guy and, and look ridiculous and get murdered by Keith Lee, which he did. And he was. You just described the match. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, he tried to slap Keith Lee. Keith Lee slapped. They gave him the double overhead uh, bear paw slap and nearly murdered him. And then he pounced him nearly out of the building and then uh, gave him a big finisher in one, two, three. He was done. But uh, yeah, the limit break finisher. Excuse me. Limit break. Yeah. Limit break. I was, trying, um, I was thinking what the other one that he has is the spirit bomb. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's either it's either a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Ball reference. Another right. reason to love Keith Lee. 
by the way. Bask in his glory. Bask in his Weibo glory. Or should I say, bask in his glory? <laughs> yeah, his new theme song <laughs> is fantastic. So at the end, though, he said it's my NXT. So do you see Keith Lee being the next like major player in the men's division? Yes, and here's why. Okay. I, I think they're testing the... I, I want to say yes, because we love Keith Lee. That's our PWG boy. Uh, but at the same time... I, I'm hearing that there are the traveling shows, the house shows, that he's having some exhibition matches with Adam Cole, the current mm. NXT championship or champion. And I'm going, oh, really? Yeah. And I've heard so, that they're delicious matches, too. Oh, <laughs> I've heard they're fantastic. I can only imagine what tiny little five foot four Adam Cole versus five foot the, four. <laughs> the bi- he's, he's like Tom Cruise size, right? Uh, against the big boy Keith Lee, what those must be like. I have not watched any of them intentionally, even though they are out there. So, spoiler warning, do not go looking for those unless you want to see some of that stuff. However, I am not mad at the fact that Keith Lee is having uh, exhibition matches at house shows with the champion. I, I also I want to say really quickly that I'm actually offended that you called Adam Cole little guy. It's kind of like Seth Rollins calling Will Ospreay little guy. Adam Cole is six foot tall. He's my height. Sure, fine. He's my size. He's, he's, he's just got an he's, enormous head and a little tiny torso. Fine. It, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano are like Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise standing next to each other. You know, it's they're tiny. They're little guys. They're not. That, uh, I didn't say it in a snide, condescending way like Seth called Osprey called him little buddy, like he was patting him on his head. That's different. But anyway, we digress. Uh, <laughs> we di- Keith, us digress. I, I digress. Keith Lee. Having matches with Adam Cole is a very good thing. We'll see where that goes in the future. Uh, next up, we had the match that we've kind of been looking forward to for at least a week. The Steel Cage match for the NXT Women's Championship with Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, on paper, Ian, this feels like we should have gotten this at a pay-per-view. Why did they do it on TV? Uh, because they got to advance the storyline real quick. Uh, but that being okay. said, I, and, I, and I will say that this cage match was a absolute banger of a TV show match. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a little underwhelming at a pay-per-view. That's uh, fair. And, I'll and, that, yeah. and I'll, I'll, I will point out Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston as a recent example. Sure. Um, sure. Cage matches, I don't, I don't think we're in the era of the cage match. Cage matches don't seem to deliver for me unless there's like extreme punishment, color, yeah, something along those lines. I, I, I have to you know? kind of agree there too. Yeah. And but that being said, there was some extreme stuff in this match. They did get some really nice looking submission moves. There was some uh, really brutal uh, spots against the cage itself. And of course, at a certain point, everything broke down. Shafir and Duke came out to interfere on Shayna's behalf. They locked the cage door. And uh, you ended up having Candice LeRae coming out for the save and doing a cross body uh, onto one of the girls in the middle of the ring once, once everything broke down and Shafir and Duke got into the ring. Um, she did a cross body off the top, and then later you had uh, Shirai herself do a moonsault off the top of the cage onto Shayna Baszler. To say that this was better than Dolph and Kofi is, I think, an understatement. Yeah. But there was just so much more going on. It wasn't just a, a long drug, drug out uh, submission battle. It felt more brutal. It felt more intense and personal. Um, and the ending, which was Shirai and uh, Baszler both clawing their way to the door, and then 
scrabbling one on top of the other at the door for who's going to get out first with with finally you know Shayna being put in submission moves um sorry Shayna putting EO in submission moves and then EO banging Shayna on the head with the door and Shayna falling limply out the door accidentally to win um it was all good stuff it was a good match but here's the thing Nick the big important stuff wasn't even the match the the big moment was after the match when Duke Shafir and Baszler cleared out and Io Shirai lost her mind. And she attacked Candice LeRae. Piss out of Candice LeRae. And I, I, ha- I still to this, I don't under- do you Can you understand what caused this? Like, uh, allegedly, it was because she helped her or she interfered? Well, as, I, as I've been saying, they've been showing this weird, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like, the, like a mean streak or a crazy streak in Shirai over the last few weeks. She snaps. She goes nuts. She does things that aren't necessarily above board, like st- stomping on Shafir's arm at the one, or uh, Duke's arm at the pay-per-view. So right. they've shown that, that Shirai has a mean streak, that she's a little bit nuts. She will, she will snap. She snaps here on Baszler, or on uh, Candice LeRae when she thought that LeRae got involved where she shouldn't. I can only imagine that going forward, imagine that going forward, that you'll see Shirai turn more towards the dark side. Mm. And the more I think about that, the smarter that is. Because right now you've just had... Oscar, who came out of NXT as the dominant champ, uh, unbeatable killer coming out of there, and she's the Empress of Tomorrow. She has that whole gimmick going on. Kyrie Sane coming out of there being the cute little pirate princess. She's much more on like kind of the kawaii side of everything. Um, so how do you have a third female Japanese star come out of NXT, build them up for the main roster, but differentiate them from the other two Japanese stars who you've just put on the main roster to varying success. Yeah. And that is make her completely different. And if you remember her back in Lucha Underground where she was like, she was the crazy ninja evil chick, it's right in her wheelhouse yeah. to turn her into evil Io Shirai. If they go all the way, if they turn her into that Lucha Underground style character, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to play right into her strengths. Yeah. No, this is going to be fantastic. I'm anxious to see where it goes. It'll differentiate her from from those who have gone before. Yeah. So smart stuff. Good stuff. Last thing I'll say is uh, Baszler is still the champ. And at this point, uh, do we continue with with EO turning the way she is? Uh, do we continue the program or do we, who's next for Shayna Baszler? Uh, Mia Yim would be my guess based okay. on the fact that she's currently got a bit of a, a thing going with Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne. And I suspect what's happening there is they're building her up for Shayna gotcha. because they gave her that whole promo last week. They gave Aaliyah and Bourne a promo this week. Um, my guess is they're going to have Mia Yim overcome those two while the fallout from EO and Candice and Shayna is all going on. Yeah. And then they'll build her up to face Shayna at the next pay-per-view. That's my guess. Well, next up on, on there, we had a, a backstage segment with Damian Priest. Yeah. The final, final thing on NXT this let, week. Let me, let me stop you right there. <laughs> Good Damian, Lord. Damian Priest. They caught him coming out after his uh, match last week and, uh, yeah, we heard him speak. Punishment's got a voice on him, dude. Holy Punishment smokes. has a voice on him. He, he's Man, they need to utilize that. Because we were, we were saying uh, when Aleister Black first spoke in NXT, man, he needs to work on his voice. It's too high. It's too soft. He's, he's, he, he does, he's got it now. Aleister Black has that great gravelly voice going on. Here you've got Damian Priest who has this kind of like, you know, evil vampire rock star thing going on. He turns to the interviewer and starts talking, and you go, well, that's the perfect voice for that. Yep. 
<laughs> That's exactly the voice that I expected to hear out of that yep. character. Unlike everybody else here, Logan, my stop you right there. We'll live forever. Dear God, I my, the hairs on my neck stood up. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Jesus. All right. Uh, moving on to 205 Live this week. Uh, some Actually, some interesting stuff happened this week. Jack Gallagher beat Mike Kanellis, and Mike Kanellis stormed out of the arena saying he was done with... This um, leaving Maria behind, like what did did? did well, they just mean? signed new five year contracts. You're you're getting to what I was going with. This is like so they're doing a I quit angle right after signing long term contracts. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting take. Uh, Drake Maverick calling him out later. So I'm I'm curious where they're going with that whole angle. It's a little too late to to uh, try to play the crowd because we right. for a while there we thought that they were going to try and bail. But we all know that you just signed long-term contracts, so that might not work, guys. Uh, we had a match. Uh, Humberto Carrillo defeated Rob Rollenbeck, which was basically a, kind of a, an enhancement match, building Carrillo back up, which I think they need to do. Uh, you know I think he's a, a, a future superstar. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Oni Lorcan and Arya Davari get, uh, get straight brutal. Uh, they, they have been uh, hitting each other with chairs for the last few weeks. Well, this time, <laughs> Lorcan just came out of nowhere and laid him out screaming that uh, he was going to get him back. How does it How does it feel? Mm. How does it feel, Davari? So they're getting brutal. Looking forward to that becoming a, a, hopefully a, 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 a either a no DQ match or some sort of implements match. I don't know. A pre-show match at Extreme Rules. Well, what we're mm. getting there is a we had a number one contendership match. It was uh, Tozawa, Kira Tozawa versus Tony Nese. Tony Nese winning clean. And it looks like he will be facing Drew Gulak in a rematch. For his cruiserweight contender, cruiserweight championship, which of course he didn't get pinned for. Tozawa ate the pin there, True. and Tozawa ate the pin here, and then immediately afterward tweeted out, "Done." Quote just the word "done." He's been with the company for exactly three years. Do you think Tozawa might be on the way out? I do. Ooh, I do. Uh, I think that uh, with Hideo Itami showing back up, I would not be surprised if we got a Akira Tozawa back in new japan i would not be surprised if that uh if something like that happened that said the wwe has been really good to akira tozawa it has so been i'm a little bit put off if that's what he meant by done and that he's throwing in the towel on a somewhat short career yes he did have to run around with titus worldwide for a little bit but i think that was actually a good thing for him he's had a great run he's been the champion uh, in 205 Live, in the cruiserweight division. I, you know, could they do more with him? Sure. Uh, but he, he is, he's a, he's a little cruiserweight. There's not much more you can do above and beyond that. So I, I don't want to rule it out, but I... Which I, might be his point, though. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. I don't, look, I'm not going to say he's going to AEW or anything like that, but I wouldn't rule out him going back and, you know... Here's out AEW! You heard it here first! You heard it here first! Okay, I guess Sir Ian is making oh, that proclamation. No, sorry, what? I'm oh, sorry, just reflexes at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready to go there quite yet, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe he showed up and declared for the G1, which probably oh, won't. No, get, uh, it heck, won't happen. Damn it. No, it is too late to be in the G1. I know. What are you talking about? Who knows? There's a lot of people that are... Are you still drunk? Maybe. Probably, <laughs> actually. Probably. It was a long night last night, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah, it was. So yeah, we'll see what happens with Tazawa. Hopefully he sticks around because I, I do think he's actually a great superstar. And I think he does. He has fit into the WWE style with his yelling and, and he's figured out how to work the style pretty well. Yeah. So hopefully he sticks around because he is a good hand. But if he does go somewhere else, 
best of luck, and I look forward to seeing what he does next. Speaking of somewhere else, so speaking of the G1, New Japan, we have mm. the Kizuna Road results back. The G1 is locked in. Yoshihashi will not be in the G1. <laughs> oh, that, Zach Sabre Jr., thank you. Zach Sabre Jr. pinned Yoshihashi to retain his uh, his British Royal, his British uh, heavyweight championship, uh, his Rev Pro British heavyweight championship. Excuse me. Uh, so he is still the Rev Pro British heavyweight champion. He is still in the G One. Yoshihashi, back to C Block with you. Yes, <laughs> back to C Block with you. Uh, also in Rev Pro news at the same show, El Fantasmo defended his uh, junior heavyweight championship against Ryusuke Taguchi. He also retained. So the G One is on the way. Nick is coming up in a couple of weeks. July seventh is when it begins. Um, That's not even a couple of weeks. That's like a week away. I know. It's coming up so quick. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I would be watching so much so wrestling. We have, we have a, here's the deal, listeners. We have a lot to say about the G1. Yeah. Uh, so so much to say about it that we're going to make it one of our missing bonus episodes that we're behind on for you guys. <laughs> so I, I, we know we're, Nick is still writing. Yes. I'm oh, still God. Writing. The fact that you're still writing that episode about your your. You're planning out the entire year is yes. utterly terrifying. Yes, uh, and I gave Ian a little I bit of a, a teaser today, and his reaction was it looks absolute, like a screenplay. It was absolute. Yes, it it was absolute gold. Exactly what I wanted his reaction to be. I have a wall of horror movies right in front of where Nick is sitting right now, <laughs> and nothing on that shelf has horrified me more than seeing <laughs> this script for this show. But oh. uh, but that being said, yes, we're going to do a whole G1 bonus episode for our patrons. Uh, so if you haven't gone to Patreon.com to sign up for that. Please do so. It's yes. going to be a banger. We're going to give our picks and predictions. Probably, probably do a little bracketology uh, because we do know who's fighting who when. Yes, and it's we going to do. be a lot of fun. And, so the, uh, uh, I believe uh, night one of Block A kicks off on July 6th, or I guess over here it's July 7th technically. Uh, but I, I, you know, we are going to do as much live chatting throughout the G1 as we can, but holy smokes, they're all at like 5 a.m. Yeah. Or earlier, which is so, great for me. I literally will be getting off work every time that it starts. So yeah, so mwah. I have to teach Surrey and Dangerous how to start chat the live chats because they're. I can tell you now, I'm probably not going to be with up all for the all poor of them. sick bastards that are up at the same time as me. Right. right. So that's going to be a lot of fun doing the G1, Nick. Uh, the yes. best wrestling of the year. Absolutely. And I, I say that Absolutely. with as little hyper, hyperbole as possible. Uh, but that being said, Nick, that is it for the Wild World of Wrestling. I think it's time to do something that I always is one of my favorite parts of the show, and it's something that I appreciate greatly, and that is. Our listener questions. Yes, and guys, if you want to get your listener questions in as well as access those bonus episodes, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or more. If you want the bonus episodes, that's at the 10. But just to get your questions in every single week, you can do that for a small buy me and in a beer once a month. That's really what it comes down to. Because that's what we need to do this show is beer. Yeah, that is exactly not what I need right now is, <laughs> is another beer. Would you like some more whiskey, sir? No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, first up, we got Andy. Has the 24-7 championship made the roll-up pin in WWE? Mm. And also, do you think the ease at which superstars are being pinned for it, i.e. one move and done, is actually weakening the entire lower mid-card? I think it's just a trope. I don't think that it's anything other than that. I, yeah. You know, the 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 quick schoolboy roll up, the the quick roll up pin, whatever. That's that's it's come back a little bit more as a surprise finish in some of the the larger matches. Yeah. But I, you know, that's always been the case with back even with the hardcore championship was that you know all like it's it's like how finishers don't work at WrestleMania. It's just a trope. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, everyone the gravity doesn't work on people when they go flying over the top rope during the Royal Rumble. That kind of thing. Right. So. 
No, it's it's something that I really I, I I've actually tuned out how people just get pinned so quickly with the twenty four seven championship. You know, one move and then a roll up, or just even a, just even a straight roll up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've I've just kind of looked past it because they're tr- they're trying to do something else. Um. Yeah, I don't care. I, yeah. I want this to just get. Crazy. I'm not going to suddenly, you know, if 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 Truth has a match and kicks out of Daniel Bryan's finisher. Somewhere down the road, I'm not be sitting there going, "Wait a minute!" But EC3 just rolled him up for the 24/7 championship. That doesn't make any sense, right? It's yeah, it's it's two completely different. It, 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 as far as kayfabe is concerned, <laughs> it's just out. The, you know, don't even don't think about it too hard. You're not supposed to be taking this seriously. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. It's, the 24/7 championship is about as entertainment in the sports entertainment as you get. Yep. So yeah, take the sports right out the window. Don't the the, the roll ups, the pins, they don't matter. And take the leash off of it and just let it go crazy. Mm. Thank you, Andy, for that question. Uh, Will up next. He said, "Not to open up the Rollins Twitter explosion." Oh God! Here we go. Oh God! Um, but you mentioned him saying, "quote Pro wrestling" last yes, week. Yes, we did. With this, guys like the Revival saying that they were pro wrestlers in the recent past, and Imperium newly having their platform based on pro wrestling. He's referring to Walter's faction in uh, NXT UK. Right, the new ring conf. Yeah. Uh, Do you think this is a minor and purposeful nod to have some level of kayfabe rogue guys? Mm. Uh, And do you think Vince knows that NXT UK is actually a thing? I think he knows it exists. I don't know if he ever watched a single minute of it. Sure. He may have glanced at it like at one point. That's actually that's and that's not me just speculating. That's what I've actually heard is his awareness and knowledge of a lot of the NXT is he's aware of it. He's seen a little bit of it, but he doesn't watch the whole thing or even on the regular. Uh, as far as that goes, I do know that guys like Stone Stone Cold is very outspoken about it. Where he, even on his podcast when he had Vince on, he kind of tweaked him a little bit about the whole sports entertainment versus pro wrestling thing. You know, Stone Cold says, I'm a pro wrestler. And Triple H is from that same era where you took pride in being called a professional wrestler, not a sports entertainer. And of course, there's a bunch of different takes on this. There are guys who are in WWE who are very happy to be a sports entertainer. Um, But as far as a, quote, pro wrestler, I did think it was interesting that Seth put that in his tweet because we know Vince McMahon doesn't use that term and he doesn't have his wrestlers use that term. So when we say, well, that was Vince McMahon putting his words into Seth's mouth, it makes it, it makes it even more strange to think, well, was that Seth saying that or was that Vince going against years and years of his predilections to use that term? Yeah. And if, if so, what was the purpose of that? Was that as a way to put themselves back on the map as being more sports focused, which we know Fox wants them to be? Uh, or was that just Seth Rollins being kind of one of those old school guys who wants to take pride in being a, quote, pro wrestler? Yeah, I, so, I don't know. It, it also undoes my theory that the, the WWE machine is doing a lot of this tweeting and storytelling. Uh, if that did come, if, you know, if the tweet did contain pro wrestling then that's that's a sign that it you know it's not vince he wouldn't have said that well and that's kind of where where i'm sitting on it just based on what i'm looking at with it what i'm seeing from it my speculation and again it is speculation because i was not in the room when seth was tweeting this is that he's taking the company lines or he's having some people from the social media department feed him um angles that they want to have put out there you know hey put out there that we're the best wrestling in the world essentially yep and then he does it in his own words. Sure. 
that I feel seems to be that, that seems to be more the truth because it was him on the podcast saying those things about Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Sure, those were that was his mouth that said he took his ball and went home. But they're mm. Vince's words, and so he's obviously had talks with, with Vince. Vince's hand up his ass, puppeteering him. Right? <laughs> hey, Bray's got Randall so Rabbit. Speak. Vince has Seth Rollins. Right? Exactly. So no, this is this this is the thing. I, I can see it being something where. It's it's Seth saying it, and so he's going to put his own spin on it. It's kind of like the like what we want the promos to be, where they get the bullet points, but then they go out there and use their own words. So that's that's more where I see these tweets are coming from. More on be, this when we do our bonus episode yes, exactly. that we're going to uh, we're intending to do on this because we have, we really have a lot. If it wasn't clear at this point, we have a lot to say about this topic. Oh man, uh, Will, thank you very much for the question there. Next up, Eric. With adding Heyman and Bischoff as executive directors, will we actually see a change in the creative direction of WWE programming, or is this just more smoke and mirrors? Uh, given the fact that they actually needed the approval of the WWE board of directors to install Heyman and Bischoff in these positions, uh, that tells you how important these positions are and what, how much creative control they're going to have. And they also did a corporate press release on it, which yeah. is, that legitimizes things a little bit. So I would imagine that they're going to get a significant amount of creative control. Yeah. That would be, I mean, at least with Paul, that's his strong suit. Um, I can't really say as far as Bischoff is concerned, you know, he's obviously made some very smart booking decisions in the past. He's responsible for, you know, he's one of the guys who created the NWO. That's the big, that's the big feather in his cap. But at the end of the day, he also made a bunch of really boneheaded booking decisions as well. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're there to be both creative and to deal with networks. Um, so will we see a difference in creative direction? On some level, sure. Is Vince still the captain? Yes. He's still going to be the guy who's saying yay or nay, uh, saying what goes, saying what doesn't. But having these two guys with you know in his ear cannot help but change the product. No, it's, it's, it can't be a bad thing. To have well, them it could be checking a, it, him, you know, it, it and, and throw be, Pritchard loosely in there as well. I don't know about good or bad. It could, it's going to be different. Yeah, oh, well, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to answer the yeah. question. Um, so I'm curious. I'll ask an aside question here. Is this also potentially going to affect the production, not just the creative, the writing, the storytelling, but could we see changes to things like camera work? Absolutely. Are we seeing uh, examples or samples of those already taking place? Because it, I, I got to say, WWE production has felt different. You guys heard me last week. It felt like it, well, I was watching a different, better set of shows last week. You mean that they didn't turn down the house lights during the third hour of Raw? Right. Right. Uh, 205 that Live that was, also that was, greatly... That was here and gone very quickly, wasn't it? Yeah. 205 Live last week also stood out greatly. Uh, there were many comments around the internets about how good the camera work was. And I agree. And I even saw it, uh, you know, it, it continued again this week with the crossovers happening on both shows. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's not just, you know, dealing with executives or working to tell better stories, but if it's also going to affect and improve the production week to week. That's what I'm curious to see. Uh, Will, or sorry, Eric, thank you very much for that question. Next up, we got Brad. Could the knock at Alistair Black's door be Bray or The Fiend? I was so hoping to hear, let me in, when Alistair was smiling at the camera. Do you think we continue to see Bray's puppets backstage, or will they disappear when Bray comes back? couple of questions in there. Uh, question number one, I really hope, as we said earlier in the show, I think we already answered this one. I yeah. hope it's not Bray the Fiend. I think that's not a feud either of these guys need right now. Yeah. Um, 
I, th- I know we're all excited to see Bray come back and what he's going to do with The Fiend. We're all excited to see Aleister Black get into uh, some sort of feud as well. And obviously, they would. I think they would have a lot of fun working together. As you said, Nick, somewhere down the road, I would love to see those two guys work together. Right now is not the time with both of them coming off of this very you know, sketch promo heavy stuff. Going right into a feud with each other with, would be counterproductive to one of them. Yep. Possibly both of them. Possibly both, yeah. Uh, as far as question number two, will we continue to see Bray's puppets backstage? My prediction is we will see them more prominently. Uh, and then once we see Bray, we probably won't have them just be like randomly back there anymore. They'll they'll just be up front. We'll just see them there or you know they'll be part of like Bray's bits. But I can't imagine that they're going to week in and week out have hidden puppets on this show for the foreseeable future. You may have it happen a couple more weeks. But once Bray comes out fully as, as an actual active member of the show, I, su- I suspect the, pu- the puppets will be too. They'll I, be active, active members of the show, uh, not just hiding in the background randomly. Right. No, I like them if they're going to be used as foreshadowing. So let's recap. We had Abby show up with it behind The Miz. We had Mercy show up in catering next to Kofi. And we had uh, Ramblin' Rabbit next to Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. Uh, if I remember, and our truth, and Carmella. So I'm I'm sitting here going, are they trying to tell us how the how Bray could interact with these people in particular, or are they just trying to be cute and and hide them throughout the show? I think that remains to be seen. Um, I do think I, I've seen see some them. fan theories about like the deeper meaning of them, and yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to go in on that conspiracy theory stuff yet, but yep. it's possible. Yep, I think that it, to be determined at this point. Yeah, TBD. Right? But uh, good question. Uh, thank you for that. Next up, we got Jonathan. How much longer does Shayna Baszler keep the belt? This week's match did make it look. Uh, this match. Oh, sorry. This week's match did make it look like in a straight match she could lose, but they steered the story elsewhere. Hmm. I think we talked about this quite a bit as well. Uh, so just let's reflect. Well, I don't know that we did. I don't know if we said like when is Shayna going to lose the belt. I don't. I don't see her dropping it. If if I'm correct, if she does go into a program with Mia Yim. I don't see Mia Yim taking the belt, although that would, that would be nice for for Mia. But sure, I don't really see it. Um, I see her dropping it sometime this year, because otherwise it's just going to be too long. It's going to be too Oscar like for her to keep it that long. Yeah, if she does the relinquish thing like Oscar did, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I agree. They need to that. that that's going to mean they need to learn how to take titles off of of, right. of their women's champions right there. But um, I could see her dropping it to like a heel Shirai. I could see them dropping it to. Um, Candace down the road at some point, but uh, or they could surprise me and she could drop it to Mia Yim and they could, you know, but I don't see them doing it unless they have a plan to call her up. Yeah, but she's someone who they should call up if once they feel like the other two horsewomen are ready or even solo call her up. I think the woman's division needs a monster heel on the main roster. Charlotte is a heel, she's not a monster heel. And no, they don't really it's have definitely anyone time else for some fresh blood. Heel. I'm just a, scared that she'll get buried underneath the weight of Charlotte and Becky. It's possible, but I think that she has enough of her, uh, of her own unique characteristics um, that I think that she'll stand out. Does okay? So, do we know anything about Rhonda? I guess would be my other question that she would help. She's currently me busy this. trying to be impregnated by her husband, and if so, then she's going to be out for at least a couple of years okay. with the kid. So uh, she, if she comes up, it's going to be on her own. We're assuming that at this point. Correct. Okay. So yeah, I do. Th- I do think she needs to come up with Duke and Shafir. Um, Agreed. I, I, a faction I, would be perfect for her. Yeah, because on her own, I don't know. I don't know if the weight is there. Even though we know she's good enough, I don't know if the visibility would be there 
Um, or, you know, she's got to have the goons. I, well, and just, to be clear, uh, Duke and Shafir don't even have to be quote-unquote ready if they're going to be the goon squad. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they can, they can act kind of like, you know, recently the Singh brothers with Jinder or, you know, Mercury and Noble with Seth back, in, back you know, a few years ago. That kind of thing. Uh, they don't, like they're doing right now in NXT, essentially. Like, the yeah. occasional match, but they, you know, they don't have to be at peak performance to just be Shayna's goons. So I personally, there, there are packages that could come up yesterday. Yeah, as far totally. As concerned. Totally. Thank you very much for that one, Jonathan. Uh, last but certainly not least, Chris, how long till they hang a Shane McMahon office sign on Aleister Black's door and they trick Miz to bust in? <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> also, this news about Bischoff and Heyman can it work. I thought both got fired for disagreeing with Vince. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, they did get fired, but I don't know if it was just because they disagreed I, I with him. I want to throw this out there. How many people have been fired for way worse than, quote, disagreeing with Vince? Yeah, I mean... People who have, people who have taken money from Vince, held Vince up for money, people who have, have physically assaulted Vince, and he's brought them back. Yep. So, yeah, no, disagreeing with him, eh. Eh. He obviously sees some sort of... He obviously knows that they're creative guys. You know what I mean? And, what, and if he's in a place where he says, you know what, creative's not working right now, let me get some guys who might have a fresh take. And if I don't like their take in six months, they're gone. Yeah. Why not? He's a businessman. Run up the flagpole. See if it works. I agree with what you said at the top of the show. Put those two wrestling minds alongside Bruce Pritchard, and some good shit's going to come out of it one way or another. One would hope so. Yeah. One would think so. Um, and, and this is something that I actually wanted to talk about at length at another time. But there does seem to be a... It seems to be building a war between the previous generation of wrestling and the current one. And you saw it with the tension between Stone Cold and Dean Ambrose when he was on Stone Cold's show. Yep. You saw it with the recent, what I can only describe as a blood sacrifice that Cody did of his brother uh, to try to metaphorically kill off the Attitude Era before really getting AEW going. Um it's you're seeing modern wrestlers openly say we hear the the old guys tell us what to do and we say no we want to do our own thing and make our own path things are different now they're not what they used to be in a lot of aspects whether it's because of social media or awareness the death of kayfabe uh people wanting to see matches be worked differently whatever it is there is a fundamental shift there is as moxley put it a paradigm shift going on right now and i think that that war that culture war within wrestling as a whole within pro wrestling as a whole um is there a beachhead is being constructed and the fact that you have some of the greatest wrestling minds of the attitude era lining up on the side of wwe right now is no coincidence no at all so very curious uh, to see what happens as a result of this, the the pieces that are all falling into place all over the places, all over the place. If people say they're bored with wrestling right now, they're not paying attention. This is no. one of the most exciting times to be a wrestling fan in history. Certainly in my lifetime, I cannot remember a time. Uh, I mean, at least within the last two decades, where I was this excited week to week as to what was going to happen in the world of professional wrestling, not just in one company on one program or with one wrestler in the whole world of professional wrestling the stuff that is happening is absolutely 
riveting. And I'm so glad that we're a part of it right now. We're witnessing history happen right now. And this whole thing with Shaman and Bischoff coming into WWE right now, this is going to be a, a moment. Uh, this, mark this on your calendars. It's a moment where something big happened, and it will be referred back to in the future as a, and then WWE did this. Yep. It's a moment. Yep. It's, it's definitely a turning point, one of those pins that you put on the map, on exactly. the timeline of things. Great question, Chris. Uh, thank you for that one. Uh, as far as uh, how long he hangs a thing, a Shane McMahon sign on Alistair's door to trick the Miz, do you think the Miz could be the one fighting Alistair Black? Uh, well, I don't. Th- I don't think he actually knocked on his door this week. So no, no, that wouldn't make sense. But yeah. Miz versus Alistair Black program. Eh, I don't know. Miz just lost the Seth, or the, the Shane feud, or seems to have certainly got the worst end of it. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that's it for the listener questions. Thank you all, patrons, for your contributions to this show. It means the world to us, I promise you. And thank you, everybody, for getting those questions in every week. We love having them here on the show. If you guys would like to get your questions in every single week, again, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for that $5 tier or more or more. You're welcome to do that as well. (laughs) We appreciate it, and thank you very much. But Ian, we're not done yet. We've got just enough time, even though we're over time, to get to our other news lightning round. Oh, man. This is always hard because I've got to fit so much in such a short period of time. Uh, So, real quick, CM Punk is suing Colt Cabana again. This whole thing is just getting ugly. Yeah, Colt suing Punk, and Punk is now suing Cabana for $600,000 in interest and other fees. Uh, as a re- as a, as a response to the the lawsuit that Cabana filed against him uh, last year, so Punk is so let's see, Cabana is looking for unpaid legal fees due to what he's calling a breach of contract uh, because he said that Punk was supposed to cover those fees for him, and now Punk is countersuing. It's just, it's oh just, it's God. just, yeah. Uh, Punk says he spent like one point two million dollars in fees for both of them, and he was never reimbursed by Colt Cabana. Remind me if we ever inter- interview superstars to have a really good legal disclaimer. Oh my goodness, no good kidding. God. Uh, that being said, Colt Cabana. In other bad news, he got he he got served these papers of this lawsuit while he was busy on the couch with a leg hematoma. He is out of it. The tag match with Nick Aldis versus the Briscoes this Friday at uh, Ring of Honor's Best in the World. So is everybody else apparently. That, well, that's the thing. Best in the World is not <laughs> selling so good. You can still get ringside tickets for forty bucks. Ouch! Oh. Ouch! Uh, maybe don't have B- uh, Bully Ray book your company. Just a just a thought. Or steal your the name of your podcast. Or steal the name of your podcast. Just saying. Just just saying. Not, we're not saying. We're not saying. We're not saying. We're we're just saying. Yeah. Uh, so Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest is coming up this Saturday, Nick. Oh my! What? This Jesus Saturday. Jesus Christ! I know. We can, there are no breaks. So one quick note on this, by the way. Uh, I did mention that um, uh, clarification. I should say. It was announced that Bleacher Report was going to be streaming this event for free. However, you have to have a Bleacher Report subscription yeah, to Bleacher be Report able Live to watch it for free. Yes. So with that in mind, I had originally intended, since it was being put out there for free, we were going to do a watch party in the Facebook group. But I do want to declare that because it requires the to be behind the Bleacher Report subscription, regardless of what it costs, I'm not going to breach anything there and risk us getting in trouble. So we'll have the live chat as we normally do for pay-per-views for Fighter Fest this weekend. Well, all right. <laughs> well, Fighter Fest is looking like a pretty good show. They just made the Moxley and Joey Janela match non-sanctioned. Mm. What a shock. It means it's going to be essentially a no-DQ match. Yeah. Anything They're going to beat the hell out of each other. 
Right. They. I, I love the I love the uh, the kayfabe they're using on it when they're saying, "Well, we can't control these guys, so we're just we're as a company we're signing off on it. We're not in charge right. of the liability for either of these guys, so oh, they can just really do whatever good they want." News for all of us, there's going to be so much blood. Oh God, one of them might die. Yep. Um, please don't die, Joey Janela. We also have the Young Bucks uh, and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. Hangman Page versus MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy. Damn. So that should be fun. Nyla Rose versus Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. Nice. Mm. Christopher Daniels versus Sima. And then uh, we got a, uh, these are the best friends versus uh, Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian versus Private Party, which is Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. And the winning team advances to All Out for a shot at a first round bye in AEW's tag team title tournament. Tag team title all tournament. That? Uh, Say and that ten finally, times real fast. What's that? Say that ten times real fast. Tag team title tournament. No, I'm good. Thank you. All right. Finally, we have the uh, fighting game championships. Uh, the CEO uh, fighting game championships organizer, Alex Jabaley, versus AEW's Michael Nakazawa in a hardcore match. That's another way of saying it's going to be a, a goofy gimmick match, by yep. the way. So that should be fun as well. Uh, so join us on Saturday for that. Uh, speaking of big shows coming up, Slammiversary is coming up for Impact. We already know that Sammy Callahan will be facing Tessa Blanchard uh, in, uh, for, for, on that show. So that's going to be uh, a baller match, by the way, as an intergender match. Yes. Hell yes. We also Hell know that yes. Brian Cage will be defending his championship against Michael Elgin, Rich Swan defending against Johnny Impact, and uh, Taya Valkyrie defending against Sue Young, Jessica Havoc, and Rosemary in a Monsters Ball match. Monsters Ball Hardcore Match. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the uh, Tag Team Champions, which are LAX, defending against the Rascals. Our boys, the Rascals. Yeah. PWG, and look at them coming up in the world. And finally, RVD, our boy, RVD versus Moose, all on Slammiversary. Uh, which that should be is, a good show. Which is coming up Sunday, July 7th. I'll be watching the G1. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, I'll, watch, I'll watch both. Well, we, so G1 won't be on until 3 or 4 in the morning, so, so we've we got wrestling. time. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Kyle O'Reilly is out of Evolve 129 and 130 because his back is still acting up. Uh, but he well, will still, still got be a there piece of meat missing from all the ladder shots. Yeah, I took. wonder why his back is messed up. I can't imagine. <laughs> Anyone who watched that ladder match the last takeover knows why his back is messed up. Uh, but Tyler Breeze will be showing up to at the show. He's having a match against AR Fox on 129 and uh, Anthony Green at 130. Uh, Walter, we mentioned NXT UK this week. Walter had a match against Travis Banks. Travis Banks had a shot for the NXT UK championship. And as you might guess, Travis, Travis, Travis effing Banks was murdered. Destroyed. Murdered by Walter. Yeah. Took, a, took a powerbomb on the apron and then took a powerbomb in the ring. And All then, after that, getting his chest caved in. That boy dead. Yep. That boy dead. Yep. Uh, and then Jushin Thunder Liger is still on his farewell tour. He's over here for the G1 show in uh, texas but before that he's going to go to cmll and have his final cmll match it'll be versus caristico negro casas and ultimo herero uh they are going to be having uh let me get this up here they're having a relevo cmll match which means that two wrestlers two wrestlers will be in the ring at one time and they're able to tag in and out but there's only one fall so kind of protecting all the, all those guys are a little longer in the tooth so it's a way to protect them all yeah I think a little bit. And then finally, finally, I had to bring this up. Uh, this actually hurts to say, but MJF may have pulled the biggest heel move I, I've seen in recent memory. Um, I have no idea what this is. Uh, he tweeted out, Dave Matthews is better than Prince. What? Yeah. 
I have to agree with bad boy Joey Janela, who uh, immediately tweeted out, fire him at Tony Khan. Oh, my God. MJF, you son of a oh. bitch. You son of you dirty. I can't. <laughs> oh. I'm going to. Oh, my God. It's no. No. It's no way in hell. So much heat with me right now. So much heat with me. I'm going to crash into his head is what I'm going to do. What would you say? I would say it's time to end this show now, Nick, with you. <laughs> With us going off on Dave Matthews quotes. We're, we're obviously still loopy from last night. So, Nick, take her home. Oh, we got Fighter Fest this Saturday. The G1 next weekend. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we'll say a preeminent happy July 4th holiday to all of our American listeners. Uh, be sure to uh, wave the flag and give the finger to England on your way, uh, as we normally do. I'm just kidding. Please don't do wow. that. We love England. Wow. We love UK wrestling. Just kidding. Just had to throw the little American jab in there. Wow. <laughs> all in good fun. Guys, be sure to come join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group because we're going to have a lot of festivities happening over the next few weeks as we ramp up into the G1. We've got Extreme Rules. A few more weeks, we got SummerSlam. It is going to get nuts over the next two to three months with a lot of wrestling. All of the events will be coordinated out of the Facebook Busted Wide Open discussion group. Make sure you are in there. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube for the live shows at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Be sure to hit that notification bell so that you get notified when we are going to schedule new live events. Uh, last but certainly not least, love our patrons. Thank you guys so much. And if you'd like to get in and support that show, support this show uh, with that way, uh, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get access to some sweet swag, uh, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, questions, show notes, all kinds of good stuff at the lower tiers. And thank you guys again for all of your support for the show. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Did somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.